this is Maureen Milliken. And this is Rebecca Milliken. And this is GroovyTube. And it's the Crimes of the Brady Bunch. You yes. usually say that. I, oh, I usually do, but I'm so excited because we're starting the fourth season of yes, the Brady Bunch. This is our episode 13. Episode 1 of season 4, Hawaii Bound. Mm. When Mike takes the whole family with them on a business trip to Hawaii, they become involved with an ancient taboo. Ooh, and that taboo isn't like incest or any of those things that we know of. Episode 2, Pass the Taboo. Well, in Hawaii, after Greg lost the idol, Jan finds it and bad luck begins to happen again. Episode 3, The Tiki Caves. While returning an ancient idol to its resting place, the boys are menaced by an archaeologist. Ooh. It's a price. <laughs> yeah, you know very how, how menacing archaeologists can be. And, yes, in episode 4, thank God we are back from Hawaii. Yes. School starting. Today I am a freshman. Marsha panics at the thought of entering high school and signs up for every club on campus to make friends. Mm, yes, and that has an interesting subplot, which mm. I'm sure you'll remember. Episode 5, Cyrano de Brady. Oh, I like that one. When Peter fails in his efforts to attract Jan's new girlfriend, he asks Greg for help. And his girlfriend isn't just... I was going to say, maybe the problem is it's Jan's well, girlfriend. Well, our, our generation calls I know. them girlfriends. I know. Episode 6, Fright Night. When the boys frighten their sisters with the manufactured ghosts, the girls get even. Yes, of course they do. So we start, they have the new opening square, so they change the photos finally, which I found disturbing because there are, some of them are off-center, and it reminded me of it, the newspaper, <laughs> when we get mug shots and the person's head would be like real small and in a corner, and we'd have to crop them, because uh, we ran a lot of mug shots. It seems though they coordinated the who's looking at whom part a little, a little bit better. better. And Cindy has braids now instead of pigtails. Although that poor pigtail girl braids. must have had like a part permanently on her hair from having it yes. in those stupid... And Jan has braces and glasses, yes. and Greg, and particularly Robert Reed both have their permy do's instead of their straight hair. And Greg's hair we know is naturally curly and Robert Reed's might have been naturally curly Robert Reed's might have been too because it seems to me he had curly hair for the rest of his life after that. Yes he did. So maybe he, I mean he had very short hair at the beginning. And I think they straightened and slicked down their hair as that happened in the 60s. And the song is a little slicker, I noticed, and it doesn't sound... It is, more produced. It doesn't sound like kids anymore. It doesn't sound like they're letting Christopher Knight sing either, because it's... So, and also, I want to say, in these three episodes, and I think you had the same observation, that there are many parallels to the Grand Canyon trip that we'll talk about as they come on. It's pretty formulaic. So it starts out where Mike comes home from work, so we figure it must be 2 o'clock in the afternoon or so, because yeah, that's around... He gets out pretty early. He seems to work banker's hours. And less than banker's hours. He has a little box, a gift. It's like gift wrap. Yeah, with and a... Carol's like, what is it? What is it? Because she has nothing in her life. No, and she's very excited. Yes. And Pete comes running in, and he wants to know what it is. Mike tells him to get the other kids, so he hollers. He just yells, which Mike gets pissed. And sends them up there. Because all the kids are up in their rooms, as usual. Well, that's, you know, they have to stay up there unless there's a reason. And he gives them a hint that it has to do with water, which I think is a really bad hint. Yes. And then he, and Carol's he, like, honey, there's water in the box. He, and, uh, he tries to make them guess, and of course they don't. So he tells them they are plane tickets to Hawaii, and Mr. Phillips is paying for them. Because there's some construction project that their architectural Mike has firm... has check on, I guess. Yeah, something. And they all start screaming like they always do. I hate those Alice scenes. comes in, is, uh, doesn't know what's going on, so she starts whistling 
to turn. Yeah, Carol says stuff. something like, "Don't, we'll tell you later. Just start screaming." And so yeah. she starts. And also, I'm glad I don't live in a universe where my husband can make plans and get tickets for a family of eight plus the maid to go to Hawaii and not consult with the wife first. It's, he, he never has to consult with her. I know he doesn't. She's, he's got, lot, she's got nothing. And so she's, right. you know, whatever. She does what he says. And then we know they're flying on a plane because it, shows a, it big shows plane. shows a big plane. And then there's these stupid voiceovers. And then they get off. The good old yeah, days. there's a lot of wasted. I know. There's This whole episode has a lot of wasted. Yes, they get, yes, they get off and get right on the tarmac. Like Which, the good old days. And the guys are all wearing suits. Yes, everyone's dressed up like they used to do. People used to dress up when they... When when they flew somewhere, they would dress. I don't yes, know why, they but they did. It was an well, event, and they have hula dancers, and I guess they still do. I've never been to put lace around their and they kiss people, everybody, boys and girls. And for some reason, they put like fifteen on Alice, and Carol's like, "Oh, Alice!" Like I don't. They must have liked Alice. They kept putting them on yes, her and kissing we, her. But Greg does try to cop a feel off one of them. He does, and it's so funny. It's so supposed to be funny. It was nowadays, yeah. And this really groovy, handsome young man tells the other guys at the construction site oh, yes. that he tells the other guys that he's got to go pick up the Bradys. And there's a lot of driving around and people getting in and out of cars that wastes a lot of time. They show him at the it's at the Waikiki Sheraton, right? They're all like dressed up and then they go in when he he says, he, I, I've got the rest of the day off so I can bring you sightseeing. And they're all excited about yeah, that. Yeah, so they go in about Hawaiian print. Right. That's another way it reminds me of the Grand Canyon episode because it seemed like in the first episode there was also a lot of wasted time with these little detail traveling kind of things. Travelogue. Yeah. They make fun of the Hawaiian language. But yeah, they spend like a minute trying to say the name of a place that he tells them, and they can't say it, and it's so funny. And we see lots of scenery. It's like a travelogue. I think Lloyd Schwartz in his book says that it's 11 minutes of travelogue, and it pretty much is. They yeah. see the yeah. statue for King Barry Kamehameha. Williams, Barry Williams said it. Remember? Oh, that's right. Barry Williams. It reminds me kind of of Magnum P.I. Because it's in Hawaii. Yes. (laughs) And and everything I know about Hawaii, I learned from Magnum P.I. Because of the tiny shorts. Well, and because of King Kamehameha. They talked about that. Because I think one of the, in Magnum P.I., one of the businesses was the King Kamehameha something. I don't know. You don't watch it as much as I do. It looks beautiful, but it looks really developed, but probably where they were it is. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, But there are many, yes, long shots of the station wagon, and that David guy tells them all sorts of friggin' Hawaiian history, which is fine. Yeah, and then they go to Pearl Harbor, and he points out that every time an astronaut returns from the moon... The ship that picks them up comes into that port. Oh, and it shows them rowing on a catamaran, and it's just some part of the montage, but we'll talk about that Yes, later. the legends that grew up. And there are voiceovers again, too. Many voiceovers as we go through the travelogue. Mike, as always, knows lots of trivia. Like, they go to Arizona, and uh, Mike knows why the flag is flying on it, and blah, blah, blah about the flag, and there's very somber Hawaiian music. I was thinking about it. It's kind of weird. This was 1972, so it was only 31 years after the attack I know, on Pearl it Harbor. Very much, it wasn't you very think long about how. And then they're all like crammed in the corner of this tourist boat. I know, they're all like together. So, like, like David Dave, is like in the middle. He's practically sitting but on. But like crowded around him. Yeah, he's almost sitting on Robert yeah, Reed's lap, like, which was and interesting. He's like, and everyone's. Hanging on his every word. But I wondered why they were all, like, crowded together like that on the boat. He talks about how Pearl Harbor is taboo (laughs) due to being home of the shark queen god. 
Yes, and so the natives didn't want them to build a Pearl Harbor because it would be bad luck. And so there was some dry dock that was built there that collapsed, and nobody knew why. But then nothing bad ever happened again until the attack on Pearl Harbor. So it doesn't really sound like bad luck to me because we know there was more to the attack (laughs) on Pearl Harbor than just bad bad luck. luck. And Mike even says, well, I hardly think that has anything (laughs) to do with the taboo. And so the next thing is the construction site again. There's a young guy and an old guy. And they're guys working. Native. The young guy is digging. For some reason, they're digging by hand, and I I don't, I don't understand. understand. But he finds uh, yeah, he a cheesy looking <laughs> like you buy in a, a little souvenir shot figurine. I was waiting for somebody to look at the bottom and see "Made in China" stamped on and it. Or... So the old guy says in very broken English, "Taboo, do not touch." His broken like, English remind me a lot of the broken English of the natives yeah, in the Grand Canyon yeah. episode. And the kid, the younger one, says, bullshit. And, and he throws and it he off. Throws and it. He, here's, he goes, here, nobody will touch it. And he throws it off. And then they off. have, like, really this ominous music playing. Yeah. And they so, keep, every time they show that little figure. It's right. Like, the old guy says, bring evil to all <laughs> oh, touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mike brings the boys to the construction site. The boys want to go look around. And he's like, sure. Sure. And so Peter and Bobby are, like, which, climbing. Which I just want to say, you don't just let kids go no way on a fucking construction site. Yeah. And Peter and Bobby, they're climbing over, like, there's this rebar sticking up <laughs> all over the place and everything. But they find the, Bobby finds the little tiki doll. And, he, and Peter makes fun of it. It's it ugly. It sure is ugly. And Bobby's like, well, I'm going to put a string around it and wear it, you know, is good and luck. And I'm like, how can he put a string around it? Does it have like That's a, what I a plastic too. loop on it? But apparently there's some way, maybe the <laughs> manufacturers of this Taurus trinket put loops. <laughs> and what's it made out of? I don't know. Maybe I it's mean, stone or something, but it looks like it's plastic. Oh, I mean, they meant to say wood in a oh, later episode. They say it's wood. Because I was going to say, if it was stone, it would be really heavy. And meanwhile, Dave, the cute Hawaiian guy, and Greg are bonding. Dave mentions that there's going to be a surfing contest the next day. Greg wants to go out and look for bikinis with Dave, which I assume means girls in bikini. Well, yeah, but they're just objects. I don't know why he needs a tour guide to do that because they seem to be a dime a dozen in the next episode. Greg also wants to be in the surfing contest and Dave warns him that you got to pay attention to it's rougher than California and you got to pay attention to the surfing, not the bikinis. That's right. You know. They got those big waves just like in the beginning of Hawaii Five-O, that giant wave. Yeah. I think there were they had surfing in Magnum P.I. too. I'm sure they did. Anything that takes place <laughs> in Hawaii, Hawaii is going to have surfing. Maybe some of our Hawaiian listeners. Jeez, can. Hawaiian, Hawaii, I don't think we have any Hawaiian listeners yet. Yeah, we do. On crime and stuff, we do. Oh, finally! Oh, oh that was the cr- last the other date to come on board. So then it goes. Bobby and Cindy back at the hotel. Bobby's learning the ukulele, and Cindy, being his helpful handmaiden, is holding the yes. And two thugs <laughs> sidle <laughs> over Hawaiian shirts. and Hawaiian shirts and shorts sidle over. Well, it's the way they're walking. It's, it's a little. Because you watched Hawaii Five O. I know much. they look menacing, but then oh wait, no, it's Don Ho. Bobby says, "Do you know how to play the ukulele?" And and of course he does because he's flying. Like, well, he's also Don Ho. Yes, that's true. And, and so he and the other guy, who's Sam Capu, who I think is probably was a popular yeah. Hawaiian singer he's at very the time. Handsome. He's not credited in the closing credits. They sing together, and it's a creepy song to sing to two young children because it's some kind of love song. Maybe it's a traditional Hawaiian. song. It might be, but it it, it creeps me out. It was creepy, and Bobby and Cindy look like they're enjoying it, which yeah. doesn't pass the straight face test. Yeah. But you know, someone's singing to them. Well, then Bobby figures out. 
that yeah. he's down home. And Bobby says, he sits on his ukulele and breaks it, but he says his good luck charm, they never, Don Ho never would have come over and sung with and them. And he got their autograph. And then we see Mike and Carol. On a date. On a date, drinking fruity drinks they've just seen a Don Ho show. Wow. And yeah. Carol chides Mike about leering at the hula girls. And Mike's like, hey, hey. and since we all know Robert Reed is gay, there's an extra level of irony, irony in the whole thing. The next scene's the boys' hotel room, and Greg is excited about the surfing contest, and Bobby and Peter are giving him shit about it. Yeah, they're it. really like, crapping on him. It's funny. <laughs> and so Greg does the old pillow throw, which we know is the Brady boys' go-to, and it knocks... What is, I, we're supposed to believe, is a dangerously heavy uh, shield thing off the wall. Oh, I but thought it, it was a leaf, but maybe but it's it a looks shield. Like it's it made, makes more sense that it would be a shield. But it looks like it's made out of very light tin, <laughs> but we're supposed to think it's dangerously heavy because it almost hits Bobby, and Greg's like, oh my god, I'm sorry, Bobby. And Bobby's like, well, luckily I had my good luck charm on because it missed me. Whereas we as the viewer know it's bad it's luck. Bad. Yes. And then it's the next morning. The boys are leaving their hotel room. They're in the hallway. Greg's got to go to the surfing contest. The girls are going to a hula lesson. So Bobby starts goofing off and pretending to hula, I Because, think. ooh, why would they want a hula? And he drops his charm and doesn't realize it. And then the music is like, dun, dun. Yes. But then the girls and Carol and Alice come out of their room. They're all wearing grass skirts. Although Except Alice accidentally has Cindy's on. Yeah, so haha, ha, doesn't cover her butt. ample ass, so they change and... Alice is wearing, they're all wearing kind of attractive little tops, except for Alice who's wearing a polo shirt. And she picks up the charm and um, says, ah, you know, I'll just wear it till Bobby, you know, comes back. And we, we're like, uh-oh, what's going to happen to Alice now? And so they show the hula lesson, which none of them are doing that and well. And the instructor is just smiling insipidly and hulaing well, instead of telling them what to because do. Because they're paying they're tourists, probably. Right, maybe but they, wouldn't maybe she the hotel say? Gives free hula lessons. So right, she's like, gives a shit. I'm not saying I'm not huh. questioning why there's a hula lesson. What I'm saying is the instructor is just smiling insipidly <laughs> and hula dancing, and they're all just trying to copy what she's yeah. doing, and so she's not really giving any instructions. That's true. Like move your hips this way, move Although, your arms this way, or here's what the hula dance means. Blah blah blah. I understand that. Robert not to have a Reed. Robert Reed moment. But I'm saying that the probably the woman wasn't paid to speak. Yes. Carol and Marsha are doing fairly well, but Alice and, and Cindy are just all over the place. And so, of course, Alice's who goes in one direction and her Lou goes in the other, and she throws yeah. out her back. And she can't move. Because she's wearing the bad, bad luck, luck charm. And so they have to end their hula lesson. Now we are at the beach, and Greg is... At the pre- surfing contest. Greg is preparing for the surfing Although he's still he's interested in... ogling the women. He's still, still interested in the bikinis. And the whole family's down there to watch the surfing contest. And Alice gives Bobby back the idol. And I'm like, oh, now we're going to have to watch. Not that I mind surfing because it's kind of cool to watch it, but you just know, okay, we're going to watch five minutes of surfing. um, So Alice gives Bobby back his idol, and he gives it to Greg for a There's And Greg paddles out with the rest of the guys. There's many long scenes. Yes, but there's there's one kind of neat, and I think it's an ad lib. Alice turns to Marsha and says, do you think you could do that? Marsha kind of laughs and goes, no. And it just seems like a very natural. I think that a lot of times they have, if they have something good, uh, you know, where they're they're interacting. I kind of like those little natural. And then Carol says something that's exactly like what our mom would say. (laughs) I don't know how they stand those things. (laughs) (laughs) Marsha has a cute bathing suit on. There's a close-up on the taboo idol that's on Greg's neck. Yeah, so we know no, something bad. And the music, the, the... And then Greg wipes out. It doesn't look that bad. It's in fairly shallow water. 
and he just falls off the surfboard, but they're all immediately alarmed, and then he doesn't come up out of the water, although it looks like he wiped out in about six inches of water, so I'm not really sure. And nobody else on the beach seems alarmed or to care. You wonder how much attention Dave is paying, who's supposed to be judging the surfing contest. He's probably looking at the bikini. And so Mike, in his tiny, tiny (laughs) little swimsuit, runs to the water, and that's the end of this episode. Yes, they all start running, and they're scared. And We will talk more about his wipeout later. Yes, we will. After the three Hawaiian episodes we're going to talk about, because there's some stuff to say about these. So episode two, Pass the Taboo. Yeah. And first irritated me, it starts with a narrator's voice, and he sounds a little like Rod Serling from The Twilight Zone. Mm. He's this uh, announcer-y kind of voice, and he has to go through every fucking detail to recap the first episode. He didn't need to do that. And I understand that back then... You watched it and you waited a week. In yeah. fact, it wasn't that long ago we we used to have to do the same thing. But I don't think you need to know all the... No. Every single fucking Jesus detail. Christ. But if you remember, Greg's in the water. And the whole family runs down into the water. They're looking and looking for him and they're calling him and can't find him. And nobody else on the beach seems to give a shit. Finally, he's way out... Not way out there, but much farther out than where he wiped out. And I'm like, how did he get way out there when he was so close to shore when he wiped out. The undertow. And Bobby says, it's a good thing you had my good luck charm, or you could have gotten killed. That's right. See, it's all the way you look at things. Mm -hmm. And Carol is clinging to Mike. Yes, and Carol says to Mike, and Greg's on the beach, and he's very shaken, and doing a, he looks shaken up, and Carol's like, Mike, do you think he's all right? (laughs) And it's like, and so Mike's a fucking doctor. (laughs) You know, can't Carol say, Greg, you ought to see the doctor. Yes. But Mike's like, no, I think we need to have the hotel doctor check him. Mm-hmm. But So they bring Greg to the doctor, and the girls and Alice are left. And Cindy says she's glad Greg is okay so they can go on the picnic the next And I would have said the same thing, to tell you the truth. And so they're cleaning the stuff up, and Jang finds a tiki thing sitting in the water. And she says, oh, what luck, and kind of a crazy... And then we're in Carol and Mike's room. It's the next day. Carol's getting ready to go on the picnic. And Mike's getting ready to go to work, and he says, well, that's life. Man goes to work, and woman goes on a picnic. And Carol says... Oh, maybe someday there will be men's lib. Ha, ha, ha. And Mike implies that men's lib will be him being able to hang out on the beach and look at the girls like Greg well, does. Well, you know. I've noticed in this episode and then since this episode that Mike has wicked sweat stains. I know that's... Maybe Robert Reed wanted to be more realistic and not wear deodorant. I don't know, but after I noticed it in this one, I noticed it in other ones. I didn't notice them, but now I'm going to be looking for them. Yeah. They're about to leave for their picnic, and Jan realizes she forgot her camera. Yeah, and she has all this shit. Like, she has all this stuff. She has a tiki in her bag. So Greg's on the beach, and these bikini-clad girls are striding purposefully around him. He is ogling them openly. Yes. Like, if a guy was doing that nowadays, or even back then. Guys do it nowadays. Yeah, but they're not that. I mean, it's just obvious. Yes. And But there's one girl, a blonde girl, puts her towel down near him. We're so, like, why is she all by herself? So, like, who well, is she? Where is her family? I was hoping like, her Charles Atlas boyfriend would come and so kick too. sand in Greg's face. Greg invites himself over, doesn't introduce himself, and within a minute, he's rubbing... Well, Sun he actually lotion. makes it sound like he lives in Hawaii. Yes, he, like, he does. Lies and to her like, I guess it's okay right. for she's men from to the do mainland. they think they can yeah. get laid. And she's about to put suntan lotion on, and he's like, here, let me do it. Takes it away from her and starts rubbing it on her. And I think even if you weren't aware before, I think what's happened in the past 
week or two, I think anyone in America would know that you don't just start rubbing suntan lotion on a woman. Even though she doesn't really protect, she seems to like it, but that's what Back women then, do. Women, you know, Even nowadays. Women are just, oh, okay. Right. Because they're afraid to piss off the guy and say no. Yeah. And Bobby and Peter show up. And they, they cock block him. It's not clear to me if they're aware that they're doing that, but they seem to be I think they overly are. zealous. I mean, about, like, Bobby's done it before when the cheerleader was yeah. Yes, I know, it's funny. But then they join in the gang suntan. That, it's just creepy. That was creepy when all three of them were it's, putting suntan. It was. I mean, I wouldn't want three boys. No. Like two little boys. Who I didn't Bobby's know rubbing oil all over my body. <laughs> now we're at the picnic with the girls. And there's beautiful scenery. It is a there's beautiful a little scenery. beach. In Nobody, no other people are on it. Maybe there's like jellyfish. I think it was called Queen's Beach or something. It mentions in one of the books that they rented a beach yes, for two days. Did. So that must have been in it. They're having their picnic. Allison... Carol are talking about something, and, and we see this big hairy spider. <laughs> this big it's huge. Hair. It's like the size of a hand. <laughs> this huge hairy spider crawls into Jan's face. Yes. Now, I didn't look up. I wonder, are those kind of spiders? Like, I don't know. I assumed really it was a hairy spider. Maybe. I assumed it was a tarantula. Jan, all through this scene, she keeps reaching in the bag for things and almost missing the spider. Yes, the sp- spider's just kind of sitting there in the bag. <laughs> Like, she gets her camera and stuff. But then when they get back to the hotel, she says, Oh, Bobby, you know, I forgot to tell you I found the tiki. And she gives it back to him. And, of course, she reaches into her bag for that and doesn't see. And Dave is there, and he tells them how that tiki is taboo, and it's bad luck. And he doesn't he doesn't believe Right. He kind of laughs it off, scoffs at it, but then Greg's like, well, a lot of goofy things have been happening. Back in the girls' room, the spider crawls out of Jan's back. And then we go to Mike and Carol's room. Mike's home from work and time to take a swim. And he says, oh, great, I'm home from work and time to take a swim. And I'm like, like, he doesn't fucking get home from work at 2 or 3 in the afternoon anyway when he's in California. And then Carol pathetically hints about wanting jewelry from the gift shop. There's, I guess, coral and jade jewelry in the gift shop, and she hints very heavily and pathetically that she wants it. I know, I don't... And Mike brushes her off, and then it shows the spider crawling around again. I just want to say, I I thought the spider was a very good actor. (laughs) It managed to be menacing. (laughs) Was he as good as Myron the Mouse, though? I think he was. He was on a par with Myron the Mouse. So we're in the boys' room. Bobby's saying he doesn't want the idol anymore, and Peter's like, that's dumb. Yeah, Peter says he'll take it because he says, how how can a dumb old piece of wood give you bad luck? And then he puts it around his neck, and he says, bad luck, come and get me. Yeah. <laughs> and then we see the spider crawling around. Yes. The don't notice it. Here it and comes. And I just wanted to say I looked up. Um, the only one they show online is the Hawaii is the cane spider, which does not really look like no, a tarantula, although it is very large and gross. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, usually the size this can was, of tuna fish. Wow, that's a big spider. But it looks more like a giant daddy long legs, the one you're showing. Uh, but if previous episodes are any indication, it's not like they did a lot of scientific research. They probably said, let's just get a big, ugly spider. Yeah. The um, spider is crawling up Pete's blanket and crawls onto his chest and kind of tickles his hand. Uh, and he wakes up and sees it and he starts freaking out. Oh, and I wanted to say, Hannah, my daughter, was watching with me. She's six. She did not like this scene at all. She got scared and hid her face in the pillow. Mm, yes, well. And Bobby's impressed with the spider. And Greg wants to kill it with a shoe, but it's still on Pete's chest. <laughs> and he's like, don't do it on 
like so it. So they flip it. He takes a piece of paper and he flips it onto the floor and they're screaming and screaming. So Mike comes Mike, in. Mike, of course, has to check out what's And going on. so Mike's like, he's not going to kill it. He, Mike's like, there's no poisonous spiders in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, just give me that bag. So there's some bag from the gift shop and he dumps out whatever's in the yeah. bag and scooches the spider into the bag and he goes, I have to get this out of here before your mother sees she says, it. She gets uptight when she sees a ladybug. Yes. And so Mike goes out in the hall and who comes out but Carol? Yes, and he's holding the little bag. And so, of course, she thinks it's the jewelry she pathetically begged for and hinted about earlier. And he tries to tell her. Or it's not, but she finally takes it away and looks in the bag and there's the spider. But, you know, what's funny is she doesn't, like, freak out. Yeah, she just kind of goes, ooh, gross. It was very anticlimactic. Like, honestly, if... I opened a bag and saw that big spider in there, I would scream. I know. Even if you're not afraid of spiders, you know, you're not expecting to see it. I know, you're expecting to see this jewelry that you've been pressuring your husband to buy you. Back in the boys' room, Peter doesn't want the idol. Greg calls them dinglings, and Peter throws the idol and it hits Greg in the head. So the next day they're talking to Sexy Dave, and he tells them that it's taboo. He doesn't believe the shit. And he, and he can't believe that they believe it, frankly. Right, and they want to know more about it. So he tells they have to go to old Mr. Hanalei. Old Mr. Hanalei. They don't just say, you can talk to Mr. And we know now we're going to see... probably like 50. Right. We're going to see the guy who speaks broken English. Yeah. So they go to his house. He says, taboo, very old, very... He's, he's the same guy from right. the construction site. Yeah. Taboo, very old, very evil. Bad things come to those who touch. And he says... Once you touch taboo, stay. In other words, you can't get rid of it yes. by just getting rid of so it. So he says you have to bring it to the burial ground of the ancient kings. Yes. Evil will always come. And dragging information out of this guy is excruciating. <laughs> it takes him several minutes for him to tell them any of this. Yeah, so he tells them that it was stolen from a king's tomb. That's why it's bad luck. Right. A and bad his, boy. And his stolen. grandfather had showed him the burial ground. He, that's why but he, he showed him. He told him where it was. Before. Oh, that's He that's told right. him to never go there. That's right. So how does he know it's really there? Yes. So the boys are now with Mike and Carol, and apparently they're asking permission to go to this burial ground. Carol and Mike are like, those are just coincidences. It's not bad luck. Carol says, that little statue only has the power that you imagine it to have. Kind of a Mike statement. Yeah, Mike is just kind of like, come on. But the boys obviously pay no attention. Yeah, they decide that they really have to return the idol. And mom and dad don't have to know about it. Then we can just go tell them to go on sightseeing. So the boys go to the girls' room. Greg explains to them what they're going to do. They're going to the Barry Girl. Right, and they want the girls to cover for them. And they agree to. They promise. And Marcia says, aren't you afraid to go? And Greg says, yes, but we're more afraid not to. And the next day, we see a bus dropping the boys off, and it's like in a woodsy area. Yeah. Well, it's on a road. It's on a highway, though. It's right. not like a dirt road. And here's a detail, listeners. Remember this because it's important later. The boys even mentioned that the bus driver thought it was weird that they wanted to get dropped off at yes, that he did. site. Yes, he did. And also the boys are wearing very groovy clothes that we haven't Peter seen. Peter has like an embroidered shirt on. It's like they're in season four, the wardrobe budget went up. Yeah. Because they're wearing very tight-fitting. Maybe they, they got better, like, sponsors. Right, tight-fitting pants and striped shirts and groovy belts. And, and also there's ominous music playing. And they're so looking for the burial ground, and Bobby's eating popcorn, and Greg decides... Which is kind of weird, I Because Carol mentions later that Bobby's always eating popcorn. Yes, which, but we've never before... We've never seen him, him eating. But Greg decides they need to leave a trail of popcorn... Because birds and shit aren't going to eat that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that'll work. And it, also, it looks like he's leaving one like every two inches. <laughs> Back at the hotel, Carol is worried that the boys have been out all day. And Mike says, 
Time flies when you're having fun. And I know. He starts groping He Carol. seems to be attempting a seduction because it shows her gazing sadly out a window. And at first I thought she was down in the dumps because he hadn't bought her her jewelry yet. So she's upset about the boys, but he doesn't give a shit. And then it goes back to the boys and they look like they're like in a city park. And I just want to say these kids would never last a minute in Maine. They oh, just would shit. not. They, they seem scared. It looks like a fairly manicured. Just, I know. It's dark. It's, it's kind of dark, but, but it's like a regular woods. Look, I couldn't figure out who had the idol because yes. it's not small. I know, and it was apparently in Greg's pocket. <laughs> <laughs> but they come to a spot, and there's a bunch of, like, big idols. Greg's still dropping popcorn, and it's not a big box of popcorn, so I'm thinking they can't have really gone far. He's dropping it, like, every two inches, and yet there's still some popcorn left in the box. And, and so he leaves the box on this idol, but, like, there's all these Because it's at the entrance to a cave, yeah, like, so they're going to go in, and he leaves the... Yeah, these giant idols are standing around. Yeah, there's a cave with a light inside, like, yes. there's a torch. Well, there's torches burning in the wall. And uh-oh, someone's following Well, them. they go in, yes, we see a tall man follow. And then they're inside the cave, which to me looked like a tiki bar. It yeah, didn't it didn't even look like a cave. It was very fake looking. But it had all these like idols, and um, I expected there to be like a bar there. They could get some drinks, but... Um, Greg is like, hello, hello. And Bobby and Peter are like, let's just leave the idol and leave. And Greg's like, no, we have to find the tomb. And it shows the guy following them again. Vincent, we see it's Vincent Price. Yes, we do. And it feels a little pedophilistic. And it's a menacing look. And I had started thinking even before it showed Vincent Price that... Because my one show that I compare to this a lot, because I was watching it at the same time as The Mod Squad, and they had a lot of episodes that took place in caves. And I thought, you know, their caves were a lot more realistic than the Brady Bunch's <laughs> caves. Which but also, say much. coincidentally, there was a Mod Squad episode that was filmed a year or two before this one, No Time for Hyacinth, with Vincent Price. And yeah. he also lived in a cave. Mm. And he befriended Julie. Was he an No, he was either an artist or a writer. I can't yeah. Oh, I remember that he one. Had, and he had kind of cut himself off from yes. society, yes, not unlike I remember. this I remember. one had. Oh, also, that's right. She was staying at a beach house or something, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yeah. Okay. And we'll talk about that it's next. It's pathetic that I remember so Yes. We'll also talk... Well, it's not pathetic because it's the Mod Squad, which we're going to talk about yes. in our next season. But this also reminded me a little bit of the Ghost Town episode because if we remember, Jim Backus played an old guy living... Prospector. Prospector. Who thought they were trying to steal Living his, in the ghost town and lurking around and following them. And he them. thought they were trying to steal his claim. Right. So that's the end of this episode. Yeah. Episode three, the final, thank God, episode of the Hawaii. And I understand this was a very popular... I, was, I liked it when I was a kid. I guess I did too, but I find, as I said with the Grand Canyon one, when they go, any show, when they go on the road, it's like they... They don't need to have any plot. Right. Or very little little plot and then there's way too much time wasted with people driving around and stuff but anyway the tiki caves begins again with a way too long recap of the previous two episodes with the rod serling like narrator who's uncredited or i'd say who it was although they do skip in their lengthy recap that the bad luck that Alice had when her who went one way and Lou <laughs> and the other way. Yeah. Um, they show Vincent Price again following the boys. In a very menacing way, Greg points out to his brothers that somebody must live in these caves because the torches are lit. <laughs> and it's like, duh, because there's no all these shit, tiki Sherlock. torches lit all over the place. Peter says it's spooky. 
Yeah. And Vincent Price overhears them, so he mm. tells Oliver, who's his, the big mask. Yeah, his big um, tiki totem. He decides to scare them away by making noise. He tosses rocks. He has some box in there. He's creaking the lid on it, and the boys are scared. But they don't seem capable of leaving <laughs> the cave. They can't, because they have to leave the idol. And then we are back at Mike and Carol. Well, Alice and Carol are worried. Alice and Carol, that's right. Alice and Carol are worried, and they're talking about their concerns. And then Mike comes in. What does he say? He says that he found out from the bus driver that the bus driver does remember dropping them off, but doesn't remember where, which I thought was very weird because the boys remarked on how... Yes, they made a point, and the bus driver thought it was weird that they wanted to be dropped and didn't think they should be dropped off. So you would think the bus driver, it hasn't even been a a day, it's only hours later, would remember... all those kids, yeah. Yeah, I dropped them off in the middle of the woods somewhere. Carol wants to call the police, but Mike and Alice poo-poo her. Yes, why call the police when your kids are missing in a strange place? And Vincent Price is talking to his totem... Oliver, just like the prospector talked... It's talk- a big giant head, if you haven't right. seen it. Just like the prospector talked to his mule yes. but in the bull the mule, is, mule is a living... I mean, I talk to my cats all the yeah, time. Yeah, but you're going to get the same reaction from a mule as you are from a wooden totem. No, sometimes they make nothing. noise. But in any case, it's the same... It's the same dramatic device. He says the kids are going to ruin everything. And the boys regret coming to the cave, and one of them says, I think it's Peter, Mom and Dad are going to be mad. Oh, it's probably Bob. And Greg says, you guys are both scared. Yeah. And they admit they are scared. And Vincent Vincent Price is spying from behind Oliver, and he's, like, watching through his eyes, so Oliver's like a big mask. He laughs, and he tells Oliver, I really did frighten them. And now I'm going to finish the job. Yeah, so so we're afraid he's going to kill them. And then we go back to the girls and jan and cindy want to tell mom and dad where the boys went but marshall's like but we gave our promise and i'm like haven't we (laughs) gone over this in multiple episodes when it's okay to tell and when it's not okay to tell if not telling is going to hurt somebody more (laughs) than telling then you tell it's like all those fucking lectures all those fucking lectures never obviously (laughs) made any kind of impact at all they don't meanwhile back at the cave the boys here groaning, <laughs> and Greg demands whoever it is to come out. So Vincent Price comes out of this, like a trunk, and he's got like this mask on yeah. and this feathered cape. And it reminds me a lot of those cheesy Halloween haunted houses where things <laughs> yeah. are always just jumping out at you, and you're supposed to be scared of things jumping out. And they run out. away from him, but apparently they run the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, he was trying to scare them out of the cave, as he tells Oliver, yes. but they go farther And in. luckily he has Oliver because he, he tells could, Oliver everything. Right, but he could be crazy enough to talk to him. Himself. He doesn't eat Oliver. Yeah, I talked to myself. And it reminds me of one of my least favorite all-time movies, Castaway, <laughs> which I never saw. <laughs> he, I've never he, seen. Be glad you never. Tom Hanks talking to his volleyball yes, Wilson. I've seen that. Yes, I know. Wilson. Yeah, because when it goes overboard and he goes, oh Wilson. Sorry, yes, spoiler. He was being on that island. I'm sure was very difficult for him. <laughs> so, and so he tells Oliver, "Oh, they went the wrong way. I have to get rid of them another way." And he takes out a spear and yells at them to come out of hiding and he says i've got to be trapped so, so now we're afraid again he's going to kill them right. so now the girls are telling mike and carol and carol says probably for the millionth time since since the brady bunch started you don't keep a promise like that if you know it's going to hurt someone oh, shit. and the girls say they don't know where they went but they said mr hanalei is the one that told them. and mike says well i better go 
talk to Mr. Honnelly about yeah. where these burial grounds are. And Carol goes with And now we're back at the cave. And Vincent Price has managed to tie all <laughs> three of the boys to wooden masks. I don't know how he was able to do that no. because he's an old guy. I mean, he's a big guy. Though. He is a big he's guy. Tall. And you would think, uh, what, did the other two just stand there while well, he was tying one? Or he could have done the whole thing where you threaten somebody with the weapon and make them tie the other ones oh, up. yeah, I didn't think about that. We'll what never the, know. That's what the East Area Rapist used to do. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't bring that in. I, I know you don't like it when I mention my books, but my first book is something similar to that happens. Um, yeah. He tells, <laughs> he talks to Oliver, which Bobby's like, uh, and he hears them and he turns to the boys and he tells them, being alone in the cave, a man needs companion. And then very shortly after that, he reaches into Greg's pocket and he wants to know why they're there. And they say that they were looking for the burial grounds and then he does take it out of Greg's front pocket. He accuses them of finding the idol in his cave and they deny it, but he doesn't believe them, which I don't understand. And he, point, he says, I know, I don't either, because it's not like he's accusing them of stealing it from them, because he's like, you found it before I was able to find it. So he's not accusing them of taking it from his stash of stuff. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure why it matters. And he says he's going to keep them there until they tell the truth, which again, it, why? What, why? What does it matter? I don't know. Because it'll, it'll round out the show. You yes. Know? And then Carol and Mike are confronting Mr. Hotley, <laughs> who takes, as usual, forever to and fucking he, g- give them information. And as all they, he keeps doing is saying, I did nothing wrong. And, and they're just like, just tell us. And one thing I feel like on these Brady Bunch episodes where you have indigenous people speaking broken English is that they're, they're, they're also like challenged. <laughs> <laughs> intellectually challenged. And when they tell him the boys went there and didn't come back, he gets very worried. As he should. And now we're back in the cave. And Vince, the boys are tied up. Is <laughs> eating beans. And they're like, boy, those beans smell good. And he's like, well, you could have some too if you just tell me what I want to know. So he's taunting them with yes. his food. And he tells them he's a professor of archaeology. Right. Well, at one point, one of them calls him Mr. And he says, no, it's professor. Our his name is Hubert Whitehead. So he starts telling a story about Egypt and Carruthers, which the upshot of the story is that he's a loser. Carruthers got all the credit. credit for something, and so he's turned his back on the academic world. He's collecting artifacts just to make money now. Basically I'm like stealing, grave right, robbing, stealing. Because there are antiquities laws that prevent you from doing that. And his rationalization, and I think we've all known this guy in our life, I prefer to think of it as, as possible compensation for past injustices. We all know that guy who steals from work or whatever, and his rationale is, well, they did this to me or they yeah. did that to me, so I have a right to break the law or do something unethical. Jerk. Yeah. He wants to know where they found the idol because there must be more. Your nearest tourist <laughs> shop know. probably has a huge basket of them for a dollar ninety nine. You know what? Each. We didn't find in any of our research is exactly where they got that stupid thing in real life. Like, yeah. Oh, that's right. Nobody mentioned home. it. I'm sure they got it at a tourist know, shop in Hawaii. He doesn't believe they told him they found it in Honolulu. He doesn't believe that. For whatever reason. I don't know why. And then he leaves to reheat his beans. <laughs> yes. He has to heat his beans up. And Greg tells them that he's left some slack when he tied him up, so he's getting loose from the rope. Well, it shows Mike and Carol driving in the station wagon. <laughs> they stop where the bus let the boys off. Just leave the car in the road. Yeah. It's obviously a dangerous section of road because there's a sign that says slow curve. And they just get out of the car without locking it That's or anything. That's the way they roll. Okay? <laughs> With their flashlights. They got flashlights at yeah. least. Now, if this were real life, which I know it's nothing it's not. at all like real life, it would be so friggin' dark. You're going in the woods with flashlights, you're still not going to find anything. 
Well, they do find the pup. We're back at the cave. The boys are actually have gotten loose and they're sneaking out. But uh, <laughs> Vincent Price catches them. He ties them back up. He calls them naughty. He calls them naughty boys. He says if they don't tell him the truth, he's going to leave them in the cave. And Greg uses the old, hey, I think your beans are burning. And so trick. he runs off. He's so like, he runs oh. off. <laughs> Greg tells the other two boys to lie and stall. And he reassures his brothers that the girls will tell Mike and Carol where they are. And one of the the boys points out, well, but they promised they wouldn't. And Greg says, those blabbermouths never keep a secret. And it's like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, buddy. And back in the woods, Mike and Carol find popcorn on the As if it would still be there. And Carol says, Bobby's always eating popcorn. Mm, So maybe they left this. Always, always, even though we've never (laughs) seen him. He's always eating. Back in the cave, Vincent Price returns and asks them if they're ready to tell the truth. And I have to say, Vincent Price looks like he's having a lot of fun I know with this yes. episode. Well, come on. Yes. And Greg says they did find it in the cave, but they don't remember exactly where, but if he unties them, they'll, they'll show, show him. him. And so we have a lengthy, or it felt lengthy, scene of he them leading. He them with the spear again. And them leading him around, and they can't find where it was. And then we're back in the woods. Mike and Carol are still following the popcorn. And Carol says, and I feel like this was a Robert Reed, maybe it's been there for days about the popcorn. And Mike says, with all the birds around, not a chance. Yeah. You know, nice point, except for I don't think it would still be there. The critters, you know? Oh, the little yeah. critters. I don't know what they have. Do they have squirrels there? I'm sure they have all sorts of wildlife in Hawaii. And if we had any Hawaii <laughs> listeners, maybe they could <laughs> if, we, if we weren't so stupid. Speaking of squirrels, you know how squirrels are just ubiquitous. I mean, you just see in them everywhere. Yeah. Right. Once, my friend Rhonda and I were in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and there was a carload of obvious tourists. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> tourists from another country and continent. And a squirrel was like sitting on this grass, like eating a little acorn or Aww. doing whatever squirrels do. You know how they sit there and wiggle them. And they stopped the car and they all got out with their cameras and were taking pictures Aww, of the squirrel. Cute. It was kind of cute, yeah. I was also thinking of the time you went camping with Liz and our cousin Martha. And the the raccoon or something got the got yeah, the marshmallows. bag of marshmallows for our s'mores. <laughs> and for the next couple of days, we'd see like squirrels in the trees eating marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> Taunting you. And I don't remember if any of our other food disappeared, but I do remember our last day there. This was outside of Reed State Park. We bought a frozen Snickers bar from the camp store because that's all we had money for and split it three ways. Aw, poor girl. And I don't know if we had just planned poorly or more of our food (laughs) went away. There was the other time Liz and I were camping in Vermont. It was the same weekend JFK Jr. died, I remember. And we were very good about putting our food away every night, but the last night, we were there. We had a couple too many bottles of wine. And we had a cooler. We had bought these jelly beans at this hundred variety of jelly bean places. And um, we had some other food. And we had it in a cooler, one of those little coolers where you close the lid and push the handle up. And we left it on the picnic table and also a gallon jug of Poland spring water. Wow. And we're in the tent and I, we heard this like slurping and grunting. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh my God, oh my God. And it was a bear. Oh my and God. And we're yelling, go away, go away. And it, it didn't like, go away. And of course, you. Liz was like, yeah. And I got my flashlight and I went out to shine the flashlight. And we're screaming. And then somebody at a campsite near us shone a big strobe light. And they were like, fuck. 
fuck you for leaving your food out. I know, you stupid shits. And the ranger had told us that there had been a bear. But we went out. I went out. Liz was in the tent. We ended up sleeping the rest of the night in her car. Yeah. But the the carrots were, like, strewn around. I don't want the carrots. The jelly beans were gone. Mm. Oh, you know. And the bottle of Poland Spring, it was a plastic bottle. It had bit into it. And then Emma's gotten thirsty from eating all the jelly beans. Yeah. And, ate. and then the next day I found the lid to the peanut butter jar down the little path that went Aww. to the lake. They're so smart. They're kind of cute, though. They, they are. Anyways, I can't remember now. Vincent Price finally believes him. And he says, okay, I do believe you. Found it on loose, and I'm going to take all my treasure. I'm leaving you here. And I'm going to tie you up. And when I get... When I get back into the city, I'll send somebody to get you. Why does he have to tie him up? I don't I know. I don't he know. has to tie that well so he can get away with all his stuff. Yeah, but what do they care? So Mike and Carol are approaching, following the popcorn, which is like every two inches, and the popcorn box is there where Greg left yeah. it. So it's like, ooh, this must be where they went. So yeah. they go in the cave. Yeah, so Mike says, I don't know who you are, but you've got a lot of explaining to do. Just like he says to the kids. Yes. So he tells a story, and he says... All I ever wanted was a place of my own in the academic world or the archaeology world. Yes, I can't the remember. Archaeology. The archaeology yes. world. Yes. And Mike says, well, why don't you report this cave to the state with all the treasures in it? And you've got five witnesses. And, well, and he's like, what five witnesses? And Mike's like, well, me and Carol. And, and Oliver. Three boys. <laughs> hey, remember Cousin Oliver? He's coming yeah, yeah. But um, Vincent, I mean, the professor, I keep calling him Vincent. He doesn't seem very smart for a professor. Well, he lives in a fucking cave. I Come know. on. But then he's talking to Oliver. And it, he hugs Oliver, yeah, too. Yeah, he, he hugs him. <laughs> And Carol's like, honey, in the stage whisper, there are some pretty weird things in here. And Mike's like, you're telling me. And he kind of gestures, gestures to him. Oliver. The next scene we see is scantily clad men with these flaming dancing batons. at a luau. And it's similar to the Grand Canyon where they were at the native dance. Oh, now they're at a native luau. The whole family's there. And everyone looks like... Like they're enjoying it, except for Jan, who looks disturbed. Maybe fire scares her. Maybe it does. Vincent Price is sitting between Mike and Carol. Yes, and we learn in the speech, just like there was a speech at the Grand Canyon, the professor has been... He's head of the Whitehead Wing. And curator at the museum. So this all has happened incredibly fast, like within 24 hours. And the Bradys, you know, they're just welcomed... They to blow a conch shell. Well, they're just welcomed by indigenous people uh. everywhere. Yes, and when they have to blow the conch shell <laughs> and my thought was ugh now we get to watch well every single one of them yeah. blows the conch shell and yes we Marcia's laughing too hard to do yeah it. she's laughing too hard and then she says oh forget it and just passes it along and it's very strange the way Vincent Price is kind of crammed in between uh, yeah it is weird he looks like he's having fun though and the hula dancers come out and Mike and Vincent are and they have giddy. a very kind of gay reaction to it they're, they're both kind of like Ew. one of them asks him if he's enjoying himself and he says oh yes Oliver would have loved it Mike and Carol kind of look at each other. Oh okay, this, I like the look between them because it was very spontaneous. And then we have a tag for the first time in season three. Yes. They're packing to go. Mm-hmm. And Bobby comes in and says something like, we don't have the bad luck idol, or I'm glad. I'm glad the idol isn't with Yes, us. and Carol and Mike kind of poo-poo. Something like that doesn't bring bad luck. And Bobby goes, yeah, I guess it just depends on how you look at things. So Bobby did learn something, and as we know, that's... The most That's important good. thing. Yes. And then Mike breaks a sandal by putting a suitcase on it. And he's like, oh, I broke my sandal. 
And then Bobby says, well, you know, it's good luck because your foot could have been in it. You know, so I guess it all depends on how you look at things. Yes. And then they show the plane flying away. And some Hawaiian music plays. And thank God we're going back to Santa Monica or wherever the hell they live and getting out of Hawaii. Not that Hawaii isn't a beautiful place, but you know I don't like these on the road. I've never been to Hawaii. No, me neither. I've been to California. That's as close (laughs) Before we go on to episode four of season four of the Brady Bunch, we want to talk a little bit about the Hawaii episodes because Lloyd Schwartz and some other people point out they were some of the most remembered and popular episodes. He also points out that's when Barry Williams and Maureen McCormick started kind of getting hot and heavy. And that's, she says that too. And her her book is boring, but basically they made out. The first thing I wanted to talk about is actually Greg's Barry Williams was actually a surfer, so he was excited to go to Hawaii. And according to his book, he talked the network into sending him a week early so he could practice surfing. Hmm. At their expense. He and his Mm -hmm. brothers, I think he had brothers. He talks about the surfing competition, that he wanted to do his own stunts, and they didn't want him to because of liability issues, but he did do a lot of surfing that they filmed. I'm going to quote his book about, about when he wipes out. Our shooting schedule forced us to shoot at low tide. Now, that's normally no big deal, but in Hawaii, it can be a nightmare. Oahu's ocean floor is made up not of soft sand, but of hard, solid, and often jagged coral. Wipe out at high tide and there's about six feet between you and the ocean floor. Wipe out at low tide and you have as little as 18 inches. You also have big, big trouble. The only way you can avoid getting sliced and diced is to fall absolutely flat and skim the water's surface, using your body as sort of a human boogie board. For the first hour, things went great. I was riding waves, cranking bottom turns, pulling off, quote, roller coasters, and finishing with flyaway kickouts. I have no idea what any yeah, of that Yeah, that sounds like surfing stuff. Then it happened. Guess who wiped out at low tide? Yep. With cameras rolling, I managed to catch an overhead wave with a good shape and started jamming across its wall. Things were getting hot, and I was picking up speed when, wham, a section of the wave closed out, and I flew through the air, careening toward an exposed coral head that was sticking up out of the water by a good two feet and drooling over its chance to chew me to shreds. Mm. A sickening feeling of total helplessness washed over me with a heartfelt cry. Bad writing. With a heartfelt cry of, (laughs) shit, I sail toward my doom. And then he says, could have been a lot worse. A postscript. When we got back to L.A., the network took one look at Greg's wipeout and got nervous about the footage being, quote, too frightening for the nature of the show, end quote. However, after some debate, the shot was indeed included. I figure I've wiped out on syndicated worldwide reruns about 3,700 times, and the scene still scares the hell out of me every time I see it. See, I felt watching it. Lloyd Schwartz confirms what Barry said in his book, and Lloyd says, Barry was very athletic in real life. In the show, we filmed Greg having a surfing accident. For the filming, Barry didn't want a stuntman since he was a good surfer. In contrast to the non-dramatic outrigger incident, which we're going to talk about next, Barry's surfing wipeout was more dangerous than it appeared. Barry fell off his board, for real, and scraped himself on the coral heads. Fortunately, he was okay, but it was close. But the other legend that grew out of these three shows was the big catamaran thing. So, Becky, why don't you 
read what Barry says uh, about it, and yeah. then I'll give Lloyd Schwartz's account. Okay. I'm going to kind of summarize, and then I'll quote him. He says, One particular run-in with the local seascape left us soggy, shaken, and just plain scared. So then he goes on about how they paddled out. We boarded our craft shakily, but after several moments, we actually seemed to have it almost under control. About this time, a second outrigger full of cameramen, grips, and professional paddlers floated up next to us and began filming our pathetic first cracks at group seamanship. None of us were wearing life jackets. We had discussed donning them, but our director decided that they were big, bulky, and an ugly shade of orange. Worst of all, they'd hide the girls' pretty Hawaiian shirts. We quickly forsook safety in favor of, quote, a beauty shot. Finally, somewhere above Hawaii, the spirit of King... Kamehameha <laughs> must have looked down upon us and decided to end our misery. I say that because all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, a wave began to crest and pick up speed, and as it swelled toward our outrigger, all nine of us got excited. We had managed to get ourselves pointed in the right direction with oars at the ready, in perfect position, we were actually going to catch a wave. The wave loomed over us. We paddled. We caught it. We smiled for the camera. We were rammed by the camera guy's boat. Our stern started sinking, and we capsized. Susan Olson remembered it like this. You'll notice when you see the episode that there are all these smiling faces in the outrigger, except for Florence and I, who are scowling. After we got rammed, the wave washed over us, and our part of the boat ended up underwater. I was hanging on to the side, and Florence was hanging on by her ankles. Then just at the point where I thought to myself, I can't hang on anymore, Florence grabbed me. And Florence says, all I could think of was hang on to Susie. And the next thing I knew, I was hanging upside down under the boat and my eyelashes fell out. And then they made it and stew it again. And so we did, this time smiling plastic smiles and grumbling all the way to shore. So maybe because the other outrigger had TV people in it, Lloyd wants to downplay it. I don't know. It's weird that Florence, Susie, and Barry would all remember this happening. But Lloyd Schwartz, again, he was the associate producer and son of Sherwood Schwartz, says, I don't think I mentioned the name of the book earlier. It's Brady, Brady, Brady by Sherwood and Lloyd Schwartz. But some things reach the level of legend and don't belong there at all. Much has been written about how the Brady Bunch actors almost died in a horrible accident on an outrigger canoe in the waves off Waikiki. Sorry, it never happened. I have even read different accounts of the harrowing ordeal where Florence saved Susan from certain death, or Barry saved Mike, or Chris saved Eve. No one really saved anybody. We were filming the family in an outrigger canoe. I was with the crew in another outrigger alongside. The boats got too close together. Our boat nudged their boat. You notice rammed is the verb used in berries. Our boat nudged their boat. There was a little wobbling. The crew got out of our canoe and held the camera equipment over their heads so as not to land in the water. We walked to shore. It was that shallow. The tail has been blown out of proportion so as to rival the sinking of the Titanic. Hmm. So who to believe, who to believe? I don't know. It's a long time ago. The other thing I wanted to say, as I mentioned at the beginning when we started talking about the episodes, is that Maureen McCormick talks about her romance with they apparently made out and stuff in Hawaii. They didn't have sex from what I understood from her book. There was some heavy petting and kissing. Yes, and that continued after they got back to California, and you can kind of sense it in some of the episodes, which we'll talk about as they come up. I think in this one you can kind of tell Maureen and Barry have a lot of scenes together, and they seem a little flirtatious in them. Lloyd Schwartz 
talks, alludes to it yeah, in his book about how difficult. And he talks she about a later talks more episode. About it. Barry yeah. talks about it just briefly that he yeah. made she and he and she made out a lot yeah. on the set. So. But it was bound to happen. Yeah. So here we are back in California, episode four. Today I am a freshman. We start with the boys from their sleeping. Mm-hmm. Alarm goes off. Greg wakes up and says it's the first day of school. So we know it's somebody school. throws a pillow at him. The kids seem to have varying yeah, Dan, levels. Jan is brushing her teeth. Seems pretty, you know, okay about going to. Cindy's waiting and she's like, "I don't care if I'm late for school. I don't, you know." Mm-hmm. So maybe because she has to wear dresses that are too short. That could for be. Her. And there's all the lunch bags. The kids come running through, grab their lunches, and I'm like, "Oh, the lunch bags have names on them. That's different." And then there's one left, and it has Marsha on it. So that that was the reason. The and lunch then bags, we see so. Marsha up in bed with the covers pulled all well, the way. Well, Carol, Carol's gonna go and see what keeping her yeah and you know on tv when someone has the covers pulled up all the way so all you can see is their head that they're wearing something underneath it and she tells carol it hurts all over and my stomach feels funny Mm. i'm thinking she's pregnant and yeah i know duh and it's with her brother's baby so uh, (laughs) no so carol's gonna call the doctor Marsha's like, no! (laughs) Carol's like, no, you're sick, I'm going to call the doctor. And I just want to point out that Carol is once again, like in the first episode of the season, wearing the very Ah. groovy... Pastel yes, green is. and pink test pattern. It's kind of, well, to me, it reminds mm-hmm. me of an Easter egg. Geographic. Kind of. yeah, yeah, it's a very groovy dress. So she leaves the room. Marcia throws off the covers. Fully and dressed. she looks good. I got to tell you, it's a dress a we didn't see. We did not see this outfit for the next three episodes. I'd like to see it again. And I'm not even mm-hmm. a clothes person, but it's a periwinkle belted dress. It's like a mock turtleneck. Well, a mock turtleneck sleeveless. Yep. It, she looks good. It, it She's got looks nice really good. She's beautiful tan. She looks great. Well, back, back when we used to tan. But she looks at herself in the mirror and says, how am I going to convince the doctor I'm sick? And meanwhile, Carol and Alice are down in the, in the kitchen. kitchen. I guess it's a little later because the doctor turns out upstairs yes. with upstairs with Marsha, and they're wondering what's wrong with Marsha and kind of eat something bad. Kind of, and they're kind they kind of spend a little time going over all the food because Marsha's not one to feign illness. I yes, guess. yep. The doctor comes down. They're in the kitchen, and they, Mrs. Brady, like yeah. maybe he doesn't want to barge in or I something. I know, and Jesus. And so she runs out to the living room to talk to him, and he's this very distinguished-looking man that played... I can't remember the name of the actor, but he was he was a doctor and a couple other things. And apparently, and we've mentioned this before when there's been doctors, that the girls have apparently gotten over having male doctors. Because yeah, we haven't seen a female one since Marion Ross and season And that was one. just that one episode. Which it would have been nice to have some continuity, you know? It would have been. And, like, they didn't want a male doctor at all, and now the only doctors they've had are male doctors. It's John Howard is the name of. Ah. He plays Dr. Howard. Hmm. Dr. Dr. Fine. (laughs) Dr. Fine. (laughs) Once I cut my hand... And I cut it, like the tendons in my knuckles. And my, and my doctor's name was Dr. Fine. And I said, I said to him, do, do people ever say Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard? And he goes, no, nobody ever does. And then we both laughed. It was a bonding. He was really cute, too. Uh, Not unlike he, Larry Fine. I was going to say, did he have curly hair? <laughs> it was kind of wavy. It was unruly, as we say in the fiction writing uh, anyways. world. Um, <laughs> back, to, back to this show. He tells Carolyn Arrow, there's nothing wrong with her physically. She's insane. She's worried and upset 
and he wants to know if there's anything unusual happening in her life, and they can't think no. of anything. Oh, it is her first day of high school. And it's a new school. Oh. And the doctor says, well, I see a lot of this. It's called new, new school-itis. School-itis. Yeah. And the prescription, I guess, is going to school. Getting your butt to school. Getting your ass to school. So Mike and Carol are in her room. And she's in her bathroom. So it made me think it was nighttime, but no. No, on this show, whenever someone's sick, they're in pajamas and bathroom. I like being in pajamas, though. And she admits to them that she's afraid. She goes over to all her awards displayed on the dresser and says, look at all this that, you know, that I did in junior high. And it looks like she played volleyball. Yeah, she did. But all her friends, we find out, went to a different school tower. tower. And she's going to West. All because of the stupid street we live on. And I'll be a nobody. Oh, poor baby. And Join then, the fucking club. I know. I see, see, my philosophy is if you maintain the nobody status, the non-popular I wouldn't status, know. then you don't have to worry. I mean, I wouldn't know what it was like to be, oh, it's such a burden to be so fucking popular. Yes. You know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, we weren't. We don't give a we were, fuck about you, Marsha. We were well known in our way, <laughs> but I wouldn't call it popular. <laughs> but Mike says to her, you can <laughs> He says, you can't take a step forward with both feet still on the ground. But then he looks he like... He gets a weird look. Like, like, yeah, did I... What What the hell does that mean? Yeah, I know. He looks like he didn't have control over what he was saying. Anymore. And I, I know. And I felt like it was Robert Reed's way of saying that's a stupid line. And they just didn't manage to cut it out, to edit it out. Oh, the way he... The look on his face cracked me up. We're back on the patio. Peter is making something out of plywood and chicken wire. And Greg walks up home from school because he's got his books in his so hand. So we know he's on a, coming home from school. You know, maybe I haven't... That was the pre-backpack. school dream. You know, those oh, the one where you're in class. Or that you don't, like, you're not sure what class you're supposed to be in or you can't find. Mine was always that I'm in class and realize I haven't gone all semester. Oh, I have had that too. And a lot of it's college. It's my college. Mine is usually like a high school. It's, sometimes it's college, but a lot, most of the time it's high school. But it's like... Like we mentioned before, I didn't even care when I was in high school or college. Well, college maybe more than high school because I was about going for to it. class. Well, I didn't. Ca- I wouldn't have cared if I hadn't. I would have if I was sitting there in class and realized, oh shit, I was supposed to be going to this class all semester and well, have gone. Probably, I would. I care. probably would not be sitting in the class because I just wouldn't have gone. <laughs> no. I mean, that's the thing. But anyways, but isn't it so nice I when think you wake because we've but, been watching the this show that I've been having more well, school. I had my first. I I haven't had one of these in a long time. But I had about my new job, my first, oh shit, I'm not wearing any pants. Train. Oh, I have those all the time. Or that I'm at, or, like, I'm or at, a top. I just have a bra. <laughs> I, yeah. I go to work like, uh, and I'm like, is anyone going to notice? Yeah, is anyone going to notice? And I'm like, oh, nobody I'm will like, notice. Well, I'll be like, yeah, nobody really knows. With me a lot, it's like or I'm, I'm not, naked. Yeah, with my, me, I know because my boobs are getting in the way. <laughs> See, with me, I'm never totally naked, but usually I'm not wearing a top, and I just have my bra on, and I'm like, ooh, it's, I, I'm worried people are going to notice. See, my, mine is I'm usually like no bra. It's like I'm usually I'm like I really should probably put some clothes on, but it's funny because like in one way I'm like embarrassed. I'm like people are kind of notice, but in the other way it's like people are around and I'm like oh, and then I'm like oh I guess I should. <laughs> anyway, so Peter is building something. He says he joined the science club. He's building a volcano that will erupt and ooze real lava. But we're real lava, no, it right. would burn everything. That's his spiel that he gives. He has a long spiel yes. about when it erupts. 
perhaps it'll do this. And when it does that, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So Greg is unimpressed. Greg is very unimpressed. Also gives the Big Brother lecture, you know, don't get... If you get any of that on the patio, Alice will kill you. And then Jan walks up and he's like, guess what I'm doing? And then he gives her the speech. And Jan says the same thing Greg did. If you get any of that, I guess. And then Bobby and Cindy walk up. Poor Pete. He, he gives is. a spiel, but it's very, like, lackluster. But they like it. And they like it and They're they want to... They're very excited. And they, they want to help him. They want to help. help. And he warns them, if you get any on the, the patio, Alice is going to kill you. It's like, what does Alice care? Yeah. It's not her fucking Boy, house. she's mean. We're in the den now. Greg comes in. Mike's study. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Mike's study. Yeah. Greg enters and he says, Dad, Mom, Mom told me that you need to talk to me. Yes. And Mike explains. He's very concerned. Yes. Mike explains that Marcia is very uptight about high school, and they use the word uptight like four times in about 90 seconds. Well, in this first she says, Greg is worried. Well, Mike says, I'm worried about Marcia, and Greg's like, is she really sick? Like, he's worried oh, yeah, that she's yeah, really yeah. sick. And Mike, then nah. Mike says, no, she's uptight about high school. And Greg says, why? She was a big wheel in junior high. And Mike's like, ha, ha, ha. Well, I think she's got a flat tire. <laughs> and they both chuckle a little at that. And Greg says, she's a cool chick. Well, Greg says, you know, I was a little uptight. And we're like, no shit. We yeah. remember Greg. Yeah. Remember you ripping that chick trench book. Yes. <laughs> but Mike suggests to Greg that he break the ice by introducing her around. Because, you know, he's a BMOC now. And he can at the football practice next day introduce her to all the guys in yes. the locker room. And I'm like, is this what Mike really wants for Greg to introduce little Marsha to a bunch of football players? Hey, that's how you get popular. I no, guess so. Take the football player. Next morning is breakfast. Marsha's dilly-dallying. Greg's like, come on, because Greg's going to school. Yeah, right? I guess he's going to drive her to school or whatever. And she says she forgot something and she runs upstairs and she starts playing with her hair. She Yeah, she can't and, figure out what to do. In the mirror and talking to herself. And I'm like, it's 1972. Every single female with long hair wore it parted in the middle, long and straight, which is what she has. So what's the fucking problem? If she wants to be popular and do what everybody else is doing, that's what she should do. But she's like, okay, well, I guess if I can't do anything, if I can't look sophisticated, maybe I can act sophisticated. And she's telling us in the mirror because that's what they always do. He calls her and she goes, I'm coming, Gregory. Gregory. And we're like, oh, Oh, no. no. They're on the campus of the high school. Yeah, Westdale High. Westdale. And she's like, well, this is much bigger than a junior high. So she seems like she's relaxing yeah, a little. Yeah, she seemed she's okay. Seen... She acts herself. But then Greg sees a couple of his friends. He calls them over. Tom Peters and Dick Corson. Nobody oh. has an ethnic name in this show. Well, they're not ethnic. No. And um, <laughs> Greg introduces them. Then she starts acting. Yeah, she says, it's so beneficial to be away from the children of junior high and to be around people of my mature growth. And, and Greg's like, like yeah, and the boys are like, yeah. and then she says something about the intellectual stimulation. Yeah, something about intellectual stimulation. And they're just like, what? And then she walked away. Yeah, she kind of flounces away. And they're like, what's, what's with your sister? And Greg's like, I don't even know yeah, if that Greg is, my is sister. very pissed off. She has embarrassed him. And you'd think she would have learned from her days of Juliet. Yes. But she didn't. Yes, there are many. They never learned. There were many episodes when people tried to pretend they were someone they were not. And what happened? But they don't remember. Their little brain. Even Cindy. Remember Cindy with Ernest Hemingway trying to (laughs) date with what's his name? That's pretty funny. It's after school again. And uh, Mike is home right after school. Yes, of course he is. 
he only works like five hour days. Peter's working on the volcano again. Peter's explaining the volcano to Mike and Marsha storms by. She comes through the back gate again. Right, and snubs them. And Peter's still trying to explain, but Mike's like, yeah, forget it, forget it, forget it. I gotta go see what's wrong oh, with Marsha. Oh, of course. Well, you can't snub Mike. He runs after her and she's going up the stairs and he asks her, how'd school go? And she's like, it started terrible and it got worse. And Mike is all like, what? And then the front door slams and it's Greg who looks pissed. Yeah, he is bullshit. And Mike goes to greet Greg and Greg says, Marsha acted like a jerk and made a jerk out of me. And then he imitates her um, about that intellectual right. stimulation. stimulation <laughs> thing. And he makes some reference to... He wished Mike hadn't asked him to introduce her. Right. Now. And then Marsha, who's still on the top of the stairs, says, even my own family knew I wouldn't be popular. And then she goes, I hate my school. I hate it. I hate it. And she runs into the room and Greg and Mike, to their credit, look upset. Yes. And honestly, Mike asking Greg to introduce her is not the same as... No. Ask pretending somebody to ask her on a date. Yes, yeah. (laughs) As if that would ever happen. (laughs) So we're in the bathroom. Marsha's looking in the mirror and crying. Mm Mm-hmm. And Mike and Carol come in. Mike apologizes. He said he was just trying to be helpful. He says, it never entered our minds that you wouldn't find friends or not be popular. Because, of course, you're going to be popular. You're Marsha Brady. Come on. God. Jesus. That is the most important thing. Yes, it is. She tells him she's sorry. She's just uptight. Right, and then Carol suggests she gets involved in school activities or join a club. Marsha's like, yeah, that's a good idea. And I'm like, she was in all this shit in junior high. (laughs) It doesn't fucking, what the fuck was she going to do? She wasn't going to join any clubs? I guess not. I mean, duh. I know. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) So we're back on the patio. Bobby and Cindy are helping Peter with the volcano. They're putting mud on it. Greg comes out and says, how is this going to work? And Peter's like, I have it all figured out. Yeah. And then he gives his little spiel again about the little puffs of smoke and, and the Greg lava. Going is, so he's pretty evasive because Greg's like, yeah, but how's it going to work? Right. And Bobby sticks up for Peter. Yeah, he does. He told Greg us it's going to work. Greg just laughs about it. Yeah, Greg challenges yeah, you sh- yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens. And then Alice comes out and she is all uptight about the mud. She tells him, what is it, two hours? Two hours till dinner and she makes them stop what they're doing and go clean up. Like, it's like, it's gonna take them two hours. Is she not to... the family's employee? I yeah. mean, like, and then, now Greg is fixing the swing set. See, I thought he was dismantling it, but that was just me. I mean, he wasn't. But I couldn't tell what he was doing. But Marsha comes over, and I think it was just a ploy by the writers so that they could have this little scene with Marsha sitting on a swing. Why, though? Because it's whimsical and cute. Oh, whatever. So she and comes makes out. makes her seem ethereal. She anyway. apologizes to Greg. She sits down on a swing. Yes. So she and Greg are right there within inches of each other. He says it's okay. Yeah. And, and she, he says, from now on, be yourself. And she says, I'm going to join a club. And he's like, that's a good idea. She, yeah, I'm going to get involved in some activities. Like, really? You've never done that before. Yeah, Wow. The next day in school, we're in the hallway. And she and a, some anonymous and girl. girl are standing At in the hallway. At first I thought it was the snotty girl, but it wasn't. It, it was she not, was too no, nice to be yeah. the snotty girl. And they're looking at the bulletin board where all the clubs are listed. Yeah, so people are signing up. And Marsha goes, I think I'll sign up for ceramics. And the other girl goes, oh, but look, hardly anyone signed up for that. It's not very popular. The most popular clubs are scuba diving and karate. But look, you can sign up. They're all up here. You can sign up. And I'm thinking, doesn't Marcia know this? Doesn't Marcia know you can sign up for them? The girl says, we'll see you later or something like that. Like, So Marcia gets this look on her face and she signs up for all of them. Yes. Which is one this way look to of it. crazed inspiration. Yeah. yeah. 
Alice is in the girls' room cleaning later that day, I guess, I'm assuming. Marshall mm-hmm. comes in behind her dressed in a scuba. Full, full scuba, scuba outfit, yeah. including flippers and the headgear, and it scares the shit out of Alice. And we'll, we'll learn later that Alice is supposedly not, not scared, scared of, of anything. anything but Then Jan comes in. Jan's like... Why'd you join the scuba club? And Marsha goes, well, I hate the idea of going underwater, but it's the most popular club in school. And now we're in the driveway, and we like know it's, it's early afternoon. Afternoon. Right, must be the next day or something. And an arrow hits his briefcase. A little suction cup arrow. Right, and Marsha comes over, oh, that's mine. And he goes, what, did you join the William Tell Club? And she's like, yeah. Yeah. And then she's doing karate in the family room yeah. in a full karate outfit. Carol's afraid of her. Yes. And Greg comes in and um, makes fun of her. He's wearing a striped shirt. Yeah. And Marcia says, uh, you know, I'm not sure I'm enjoying it, but it's a very popular club. I don't and, know why it would be that popular. And then she flips. I mean, no offense to karate. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't think it would be popular either. But then Greg, she flips Greg over, which shows that. Which she, is good, actually. And I was concerned. Greg wasn't too happy about. It. It's funny the things you remember from when you were a kid when she signed up for all the clubs I remember when I was a kid I just had a memory of that that it bothered uh-huh. me and when I'm watching this it bothered me because I'm like how is she going to have the time to do all these different clubs you can't She's be in more than what they all meet after school how do you go to them I don't know I never joined any clubs I know. and no. we don't know if it's the same day or another day but Mike and Carol are walking into the family room talking about a documentary they want to watch and there's Marcia standing on her head in a leotard, and she's practicing for the yoga club. Apparently I didn't know you had to practice. I, I didn't know. know you had to practice. And Marcia asks them if she can have a meeting at their house, if she can host a meeting the next day. It's the Boosters Club mm-hmm. Judging Committee. So apparently at Westdale High, the Boosters Club is different. Most high school booster clubs are a group of parents and alumni, and some students and stuff who help raise money and advocate for sports teams. But apparently at Westdale High, it's a group of very snotty, Girl, it's like a sorority. Yeah, they seem like they do have. Uh, they do have a black girl There's in it. There's one black one girl. Black girl. She didn't talk. No, they don't let her talk. And Carol, so she's worried Marsha's spreading herself too thin. And Carol and Marsha's like, I'm only doing what you said, That's and right. it's like once again. Yeah, they give advice, and the kids take it and run with it. They just take it as literally as they possibly well, can to the most nth degree. They never learn. And then <laughs> Carol says to Mike. The only thing left is the boys' swimming team. And Mike goes, don't give her any ideas. (laughs) The next day, we assume Bobby, Cindy, Jan, and Peter are on the patio. And Peter says, yes, it is the next day because the club there. Well, I mean, it seems like a lot of days have gone by with the archery and the karate and the yoga. But she says it's. I know. Bobby, Cindy, Jan, and Peter are on the patio, and Peter's going to make his volcano erupt. It's finally finished. Yes. It's pretty nice looking volcano. Yeah, it looks good, and he goes to... See, when I was in school, when we had a volcano like this, you just pour baking soda and vinegar into it. Yeah, his is but some battery... But you Mentos and Diet Coke. Yeah, and, but then you die. His is battery powered, so it will make little puffs of smoke and then lava go anywhere, yeah. which is more effective than the fizzy... And according to Barry Williams, it was just the special effects guy. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm going to... Lloyd Schwartz actually has an account of it that I'll tell you after. Um, It doesn't work. Right. So they make fun of him and they leave. And they leave and Pete's just like, well, i got to get a new battery. Yeah, he's very optimistic. He He is. He is a very optimistic kid. Um, Yeah. Marcia and some girls, we see some... It's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, and they look like a very prim and proper group. You can tell they're snotty the way they're dressed. Marcia's like, oh, let's meet out on the patio. Marcia's wearing her green dress that she wore to the wedding. Yes. And one of the girls, and you can tell she's the head girl, says what, you know, sees the volcano, says, what's that? 
that. And Marsha says, well, it's my brother's volcano. And she goes, well, can't we get rid of it for now? It looks so dirty. And then she starts telling Marsha that they're a very special group and they only associate with certain kids. And they have accepted her into their group. But you can only date Letterman. They have to prove of her outfit. Yeah. Right when this is going on, Pete shows up. To replace and the Marcia's battery. Like, we're having a meeting. And he's like, that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he's like, come on, come over here. And Yeah, he, he invites them over to watch, which they all go. Yeah. He puts the two, and this is the part everyone probably remembers. The he little puffs of smoke come out, just like he said. But then it starts like spurting spring mud, mud all over everywhere. And Marcia starts laughing, but all the other girls are she horrified. She hysterically. Yeah, she, she does. Stop. Well, it's fake, basically. Her, and laughing is very fake. And the head girl says that Marsha's really not the type for the boosters. And Marsha's like, well, I don't think I am either. And then they storm off. Alice is going to get them some towels to clean up, but, but they like, storm and, off. And then Carol no, comes thank out. You. No, thank you, Mrs. Brady. Yeah. She's such a snot. It's like, fuck you. Marsha says, you know, you and Dad were right. And Carol says, well, you were trying for instant popularity. You know. And then also Marsha's going to just stay in the ceramics class, which right. Carol makes She's going to give up all her clubs except for mud. mud. Uh, you might not know this, but ceramic people call I may have known that at some point. And then there's a tag. Yes, Alice comes out with the towels and no one's there. Mm -hmm. I don't know where Peter went. He went somewhere, who knows. You'd think he'd want to stay in glory in the success of his volcano. But Alice picks up the volcano wires and they touch and then she gets squirted with mud. Ah, ha, ha. And so once again we get to humiliate Alice and... Once again, and I'm not saying that Lloyd Schwartz takes credit for a lot of shit, and I guess he did a lot of shit. He was the associate producer. But the whole volcano thing, he says they were having trouble thinking of a subplot because every episode has to have a subplot. The main yeah. the main plot was Marsha being afraid she wouldn't be popular. He says, you know, our formula was one child at the center of the show and another or the parents or Alice at the center of a subplot, which... It doesn't happen as often as he makes it sound I like know. it happens in this book. He says, By this time, we had discovered that adult stories as the main plots had a tendency to leave the kids out of the action. So he always tried to make both plot and subplot about the kids. If you look back at the episodes, you'll see the vast majority of them were about the kids. Which is true because, duh, the show's about the kids, Lloyd. But anyway, what would this particular subplot be? I always prided myself on finding solutions he prides quickly. Himself on everything. I know, Sorry. but yeah. I was stumped. We were all stumped. Dad, Howard Leeds, script editor Skip Webster, and I were sitting in Dad's office looking at each other. I was getting more and more upset that I couldn't think of anything. I felt like I was going to explode. <laughs> Dad saw my angst and said, "What's the matter? I feel like I'm going to explode." What do you mean, explode? Just like that, it all came in a burst. Explode, like a volcano explodes. Peter's building a volcano for a science project at school. That runs through the episode while Marcia's deciding to join the club. She finally is selected to join the club, but when the girls from the club are all over at the Brady house, the volcano explodes. All over the snooty <laughs> girls. Dad said, I like it. <laughs> That's how the episode came to be, all because I was upset that I couldn't think oh, of anything. Jesus. Just as with many episodes, I drew from life experience. I had been fascinated with volcanoes, actually all kinds of disasters. Now, so, okay, that's one thing me and Lloyd have in common. I am drawn to stories about floods, earthquakes, tidal waves, etc. In junior high, I had made a small guillotine for history class ah! and also built a paper mache volcano. Mm. I met with the special effects people about the volcano that Peter would build. The one I built in my junior high class was a pretty sorry one. Peter's wasn't, and his exploded right on cue... 
thanks to the wizardry of Paramount Special Effects Department. As a rule, associate producers don't receive much fan mail. Stars in the show itself get lots of letters from fans. On this episode, however, I got several letters from kids who wanted to build a working volcano for their science fairs. They asked how we did it. I didn't really know, so I wrote them that it was trickier than it looked. Quote, but if you want to build one just like the one we had on our show, first get two special effects men. That's not very nice. No, and also we built them. Kids used either dry ice or baking soda. And he says one more thing that I think is interesting. This episode was a prime example of the moral spine of the Brady Bunch. Whoever does something wrong gets it in the end. In this case, the snooty girls got covered in mud. Hmm. The series always followed that rule. So if one of the kid gets a big head or tries to find a way around a rule, he or she pays the consequences. Maybe, but sometimes they don't understand the rule. And something I read was talking about the subplot and the plot, which I agree with on this show. They melded together pretty well at the end. Sometimes they they yeah, never sometimes touch each they other. Don't. Yeah, when you want everything to tie together, you don't want to have subplots that aren't. Yeah, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't. Well, Lloyd Schwartz did a nice job, just like yes, he said. He did. So Cyrano de Brady is episode five. Yes. It starts in the driveway. Greg's working on a car, and we're just realizing I'm not really sure what car. We don't it know, is. but it's know. some car. Jan walks up with a uh, girl with her new friend Carrie Hathaway, who's new to the neighborhood, played by Kim Carath, who was Gretel in The Sound of Music, mm. and was in a lot of stuff as a child, but not as much. But and then as the girls are walking into the house, we see Carrie glance back yes. at Greg. So. And I saw the. Brick Grill. Yes. And Carol's doing a puzzle with the little kids. In the dining area. And so Jan introduces Carrie. Carrie, the new girl. And then Peter's coming down. Well, Peter's coming down the steps and sees Carrie. And, and he kind of go, Gaga. gets Gaga eyes, yeah. So then when they go, they meet him on the steps and... He says, please to meet me. He's and Jan and Carrie get a giggle. fit of the giggles. They start laughing and run up the and stairs. And Pete gets all moony and he's walking by Carol and the kids and they're looking very confused. So like, and it's like, have they not seen this before well not with him remember so when in the girls room jan and marcia are doing their homework peter comes in he wants to talk to jan right and so marcia knows there's something going on and she doesn't want to leave so they sit on the bed and he wants to ask carrie out but he's afraid she'll say no and and jan's like well and they both tell pete you know he's nice all his positive he's considerate he's he's cute and fun and yeah and they tell him to call call right He says, this is going to be the most important phone call of my whole entire life. And he leaves the room and then Marsha and Jambo burst out laughing. So Carrie answers the phone. And he says he's Jan's, Jan's brother. brother. She like, says, "Oh, are you the cute little one with the freckles?" And he's like, no, that she wasn't. Goes, me. Oh, you it's must Bobby. be the groovy one who was working on the and car. And he said that no, that's my brother Greg. And she says, "Well, then which one are you?" Which she's obviously not, not very right. And he goes, "I think I'm the one who's hanging up the Aww. phone." And he hangs up, and you feel bad. And the next morning, Mike's getting ready for work, and Peter comes in all dressed up. He's got a little suit on. Yeah, he looks very cute. He wants to borrow some aftershave. And Mike's like, oh. If you want to impress a certain girl, just use a little bit. But, but Pete decides yeah. he has to put on more. You gotta put a lot on. Yeah. And please don't do this in real life. Fellas, don't even having... wear it. And we're at school. Peter's hiding behind a tree. Yes. Looking, and Carrie comes along. He introduces himself again, and she apologizes for not knowing who he was the night before, so she does remember. Because she's met so many new kids, she can't keep them straight. And then and she's sniffing she's the air. Stupid. She's sniffing the air, and he goes, oh, that's my aftershave. And she's like, oh, do you shave? 
She doesn't like, seem oh, really impressed. Yeah. He's like, here, let me carry your books. And she's like, no, it's okay. And he grabs them and they fall in the mud. It's just very similar to Greg's scene where yes. he grabs the book out of the girl's Right. Hand they fall in the mud. It. Peter tries to clean them off with his handkerchief. And that doesn't work. And so he, he goes to the drinking <laughs> fountain to wet the handkerchief and it squirts her in the face. So he uses the handkerchief to wipe her face and he gets mud all over he her face. mud all over And he's her like, face. I can't. And, and she gets like, all pissed. Stop it, stop it. And she runs away. And, and he's like, I can't do anything right. It's like, poor no Pete. I know, but. And this know? is, once again, this is poor Pete. We, we've seen this before. But we know it's, it's early afternoon because here comes. And Carol's being all kissy. She runs up to him. She starts making out with him. And so he knows that there's something going on. They're because going to some modern Well, art. he thinks she got oh. tickets for this show he wants to go to, apparently like a play kind of or something. <laughs> but no, it's a modern art show. Which he does not want to go. To, and which, he makes some. You know gr- what's wrong with that? You go, you well, drink he, wine. You well, he makes some gratuitous food. negative comments know, about art, but they keep making out anyway. And Pete's all sad. He walks in and he tells them about Carrie. He says, "Well, when I was your age, I had a crush on a girl." <laughs> and Mike says he wrote her a letter, a love letter. Mm-hmm. And he also, this is when I noticed Mike's hair his. The permed look is yes, it's full very force. yes. Either he perms it and it's more permed than others sometimes, or they go to straighten it or oh, use something in it where it doesn't look as who knows. But anyway, yeah, Mike liked a girl named Polly Ledbetter oh. and wrote her a love letter, and I'm like, oh no, 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 no. that's a bad idea. So family room, I don't know how many times we're gonna see this crumpled paper. Crumpled Alice paper. is picking it up and one hits her in the face, and it's Pete sitting at the table trying, trying to, to write, write a letter. letter. And Alice says, well, what do you have? And he goes, Dear Carrie. And he's like, That's where I got stuck. And my thought is maybe he should start by apologizing about the whole mud on the face, wrecking your books yeah. thing. But apparently that doesn't occur to anyone that that would be I a know. good place to start. And so Alice says, Oh, I've got one. And she starts her. Alice goes, Oh, I've got one. And she starts reciting Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Uh, how do I love thee? Sonnet number 43, I think it is. Yes. Yes, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways, which I think is a kind of a creepy letter. Yes. A and creepy thing to send somebody. Yes. And, and also, I don't like sending a poem of somebody else's right. to someone. Well, maybe nobody of, knows that somebody else's, maybe well, they think. Well, Yes, but as we find out later, she's a literary young woman. Yeah, she is. At school the next day, we see Peter and Jan, and Peter wants to know... What Carrie said. About his letter. That oh, he well, slipped... first Jan's like, about what? Yeah, and he slipped a letter in her locker, and Jan's like, oh, she did get a gooey love letter, but the dumb dumb who sent it forgot to put his name on it. Huh? And Pete is very... He's perplexed. Yeah. He's like, oh, shit. Greg and Pete are shooting hoops, and Pete's trying to talk Greg into some, he's... some kind of... Greg's saying no, and we don't know exactly what it is. Yeah, and it turns out he has a copy of Cyrano de Bergerac, and and he summarizes the plot. And Greg keeps saying, I know the story, I know the story, but I think the writers were concerned, maybe the viewers didn't know the story. He is Cyrano. Is in love. And he uses young John to, I think it was John, to who's good-looking, he feeds him the words yes. to profess the love that he can't profess using his words. If Greg isn't interested until Pete. Greg is so easy. Yeah. Pete starts stroking his ego. Yeah. Calling him old silver, silver tongue. tongue yeah. He knows how to talk to girls. And Greg agrees to do it, which is very, very ill-advised. It's Greg. not a good plan. The next scene we see is nighttime outside a house. 
Pete's dressed up again. So Greg is with him. Greg gets yes, behind the book. And he says his stuff is even better than Sarah oh, Bergerac's. Of course it is. Pete's opening line is, hello, lovely one. Yes, he throws pebbles at this window, which looks like a living room window to me. Right. Like and I don't know window, how but... he knew where Carrie's window was. But she's like, you know, why don't you come in? But Greg has all these lines feeding to Pete. For... Yeah, she's like, why are you so far Right. Away? But as you knew it was going to happen, Pete... Pete starts messing up the lines, and then Carrie's like, whatever. Yes. Oh, and Carrie's wearing this weird sweatshirt that has, like, astronaut Yeah, it's got, like, a little patches. astronaut on the moon. Yeah, yeah. it was neat. I thought um, it was neat. I wanted one of those. Well, it's 72, you know, yeah. astronauts were a thing. So Carrie just leaves. She's like, fuck this. I know. And then the next thing we see, well, she wants well, she leaves to the window. the door. Yeah, she leaves and, the and window. And then Pete's like, oh, now she's gone. But she, she shows up outside and there's Greg. To see what the fuck is going on. So she's like, oh, it's just like, she thinks Greg's the one who likes her. It's just like Sarah. No, because that is what the story Right. Is. Peter's pissed off and Greg is like confused because she's hugging him. So we're in the family room. Carol and Mike are looking at a brochure for the art show. And Mike is making many gratuitous negative remarks about modern art well, again. He's an idiot. Peter comes in and he's all upset. He says, Greg hijacked his girl. Yeah. And it reminds me of the Jan and Marsha Clark Tyson episode oh, yes. where Jan thought Marsha hijacked yes. her boy. And actually, Greg almost says the same. Greg says something like, I can't help it if, and then he's like, never mind. He goes yeah, to bed. So maybe he's going to say like when Marsha's like, I can't help it if boys are at I know, I know. You know, the parents tell Pete that there's a lot of fish in the sea and Pete says, yeah, but my brother Brother's Moby Dick, which doesn't make I don't understand. <laughs> what he should say is my brother's fisherman. Or, but uh, all I can think of was his, you know, Moby Dick. Uh, next day, apparently, Alice is going to make Pete a cake to make him feel better. Yeah, they're making a grocery they're talk. Yeah, and Cindy comes home from school with a too short dress on yep. as usual. And Greg comes in and he's looking for a sweater. And Cindy, the tattletale, says, "Well, Jan gave it to Carrie because Carrie's going to knit you a sweater." And so she wanted to see the size. And she also brought Greg some homemade fudge. Yes. Mm. Which Alice takes out. And Greg takes a piece and starts eating it. Yes. He's like, i got to get rid of it. And then we're in the boys' room. There's a real close-up of a car. Bobby's playing with, like, a little matchbox oh, car. Oh, he's got, like, a, one of those train Right, right. And Pete's sitting next to him on the floor, mooning over Carrie. And he goes, stay away from women, kid. They'll break your heart every time. Bobby's like, I don't give a shit. And then Greg comes in. And he's like, I've got a plan that can help you. And Peter's like, I don't trust you you stole my girl. Yeah. And Greg's like, I did not steal her. Yeah, but Greg's plan is to have Jan tell Carrie, you know, how awful Greg is and that he's not trustworthy and everything. He's a rat and, fink. and how good Pete is. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, how's this going to backfire? So Greg is shooting hoops. Jan comes into the yard and tells Greg that the plan backfired mm-hmm. because Carrie is going to save Greg from his horrible self. And Greg says, maybe Carrie needs to be shown he's a rat. Then uh, he says to Jan, Mom and Dad are going to that Well, Jan's show. a little slow on the uptake. Yeah, Jan's not too bright. Yeah. Greg's like, Mom and Dad are going to the art show, right? And Jan's like, yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, Carrie's never met Marsh. And Jan's very confused. And Greg's just like, just invite Carrie over. Then we're in Mom and Dad's room. And Greg takes this black wig out of the closet. And we kind of wonder what it's doing there. It's not the wig Jan wore nope, a couple it seasons. it's not Jan's wig. It's... Which would be a nice bit of continuity if mm-hmm. it were. But maybe Mike and Carol are into a little role playing. I know. It's like, why would something? Carol have this black wig? I know. It's kind of weird. It's like that episode of All in the Family. Uh, yeah, where Mike kept making Gloria wear the wig to have sex, and yeah. she's like, you're cheating on me with me. Yeah. Different show, though. So he asks Marcia she's ready to be the other one. And so now Greg is all dressed up, looking very like sleazy. Cravat. 
Yeah, with a cravat and a smoking jacket. And he's he dimming to, the lights and yeah. he puts on some soft music. And the doorbell rings. It's Carrie. And he says, she tells him he looks nice. And he's like, these are my working threads, yeah, if you know act, what I mean. He starts acting like a total douche. He's really funny. And, well, the whole scene is funny. This is a funny it's scene. a good, everybody in it's going to be It makes me laugh. But Barry Williams really makes me laugh. He does. He yeah, he does. And he's like, we're all alone, kid. Groovy. <laughs> and then he says, you want to go steady? She's like, oh, yes. Because he's like, I know you're crazy about me. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I got some rules. Number one, you only go out with me. And she's like, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> then he's like, number two, I go out with whoever I want. And she's like, well, that doesn't seem very fair. And he goes, what do you want? Fair or me? <laughs> and then he starts making a move on her. Uh, Alice is in the kitchen making popcorn. And, and the doorbell rings. So, so she, she kind of peeks. Yeah. At the door is Marsha as Debbie. And Marsha looks very groovy in that wig and sunglasses. sunglasses. She looks, and she's wearing a very groovy dress. And she's she and looks. She's begging Greg to take her back. And Alice is watching with popcorn. Greg goes, Debbie, you bore me. And she's like, I'll change, I promise. And it's like watching a soap yes, opera. And, and Carrie is upset. Yes. And she's like, I think I should leave. And Greg's like, stick around, kid. Watch me throw her out. <laughs> Debbie's like, I'll do whatever you want. And Mike and Carol come in the back door. And, and Alice, Alice is like, shushes them. Yeah, yes. and so they're all standing there eating the popcorn watching. And Alice is like, I think they're rehearsing some kind of teenage yeah, soap yeah. opera. And Carrie finally says, you're even worse than Jan said. Yes, and she sticks up for Debbie, which is nice. Yes. That she is... Yeah, she's concerned she, about Debbie. And then Peter comes in the front door. He, and he's like, Marsha, what are you guys doing? Yeah, Peter outs Debbie. Peter's does like, he pull the wig off of Marsha? No. Yes, he's like, why are you wearing this wig? And he pulls it off because then she sets it back on her and head. Good old Pete. And he goes, that's just a really dirty thing to do. And he says, you know, if Carrie were my girl, I'd treat her like a queen. And then Carrie, she's impressed, so she asks Peter to walk her. You know, what I was wondering about this plan as I watched this, even though it's very entertaining, is <laughs> if they did pull it off, then what would happen? If Pete dated Carrie, she'd be dating him, but Greg would still, would he have to always act like a douche around her? Yeah, it probably wouldn't be too much and of a And then, what if she ever met Marsha? I know. She, although she isn't the brightest, and she didn't even remember Peter, so maybe she wouldn't be. And I really liked that scene. I thought it was it funny. And then I'm like, oh, now Mike and yes, Carol are going to lecture. Yes, because Greg are relieved. They don't know Mike and Carol are watching. And I'm like, oh, lecture time. But and they no. Don't. They come through the living room, and Greg's like, ah, uh, you know, I'm, I suppose you're wondering what happened here. And Mike goes, no, I think we understand. Carol grabs the oh, that's right. Off Martian says, Good night, Debbie. Right. And then Mike goes, I think we understand. And he doesn't seem like happy about it, but they seem kind of just resigned. Well, I think that maybe they didn't have enough time left in the show. Yeah. For a lecture. For a lecture. <laughs> and also, Carol wanted her wig. Maybe they yeah, just didn't... Oh, maybe they were going up to play mm-hmm. the wig game. Didn't Barry Williams say that he liked that episode because there weren't a lot of chances? Oh, for Peter and Greg to be together, which yeah. isn't always true. There's some in the, in the later. But they're so far have been more where Greg and Bobby are kind of. So our last episode today is Fright Night. Yes, and this aired on October 27th, 1972. Oh, so it was a Halloween Halloween. one. But we see many elements of things we've seen before in some ways. But it starts out, Carol is sculpting in the family room. And it's nighttime, you can tell, because the exterior shot's dark. Yes, and she's wearing a very groovy green shirt. And And Mike's her... Posing, but he's falling asleep. He's falling asleep. He says, all of me is drooping. (laughs) (laughs) And she's taking a ceramic class, we learn. And And he's fairly disdainful. He makes a reference to Michelangelo, which is the second Michelangelo reference in two episodes. Well, because it's the only artist he knows. Yes, apparently. And the 
The she's, head kind of looks like the Phantom of the Opera. It doesn't. It looks, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't. It. She's working. Yeah, she's not done with it. So, and then, and then they show the girls sleeping, and there's a creaking noise. And their window, like, well, their window's open, and the wind's blowing into the room. It's very wakes up. And there's creaking. I thought it was branches and the trees creaking, but there's a tr- creaking. No, Jan and, wakes up, and, and she's they like, think there's so, she thinks there's something in the, other, attic. in the attic. And then they out the window, they see a ghost in the trees, and they scream, and, and they're freaking out. Marsha gets up, but she can't really see what they're looking at. I don't at. know why she can't. Mike and Carol come in, and they don't believe them. And Marsha's like, "Well, I didn't hear anything. I, mean, I didn't, and see, I didn't anything. see anything, right?" Ugh. And Mike says it's probably the moonlight. And Mike's like, "I'll go up in the attic." and take a look and he tells them there's no such thing as ghosts and Alice comes in and they're like get the fuck out of here right and she also says there's no such thing as ghosts and why does Cindy sleep in braids like, I don't know maybe because her, her hair, hair gets all tangled up Whatever. with her body it's or annoying. something <laughs> with her and then as they're going down the hallway Craig and then Bobby come out of the room and they're doing fake tired yeah and it's obvious fake tired and as they far ask as what's concerned. going on are the girls okay and Mike and Carol say fine go back to bed and they go back in and start laughing Laughing. Which Mike and Carol go up to the attic. And we the finally get, was open. We get to see the attic, and it's yes. a big full-size attic. With a bunch of junk that I have no idea And the last time there was a reference to it, Mike said you'd have to be two feet tall yes. back when Greg wanted his own yes. room. Well, you know. Season one, but... They see that the window up there is open and the rocking chair next to the window. Maybe the wind was blowing the rocking chair. Maybe yeah. it creaked. Um, and you can tell Mike kind of gets that there was some hijinks. Yeah. yeah. So Mike tells the girls it was nothing. But as they go by the boys' room, they hear them laughing. And Mike says, I think our ghosts are right in there. But I'm like, no lecture, Mike? No. No lecture? I think he's tired. Yeah, I guess so. He was drooping. But Marshall's figured it yeah, out. Yeah, and Jan agrees, but Cindy's an idiot and is like, ooh. ooh. I know, but I also noticed, and he, he, poor Cindy, has less of a lisp no. this season. Although she is still stupid. She is not her fault. The, the writer's no. fault. And but Chan says, I don't think we have ghosts. I think we have three rats. Yeah. They decide they're going to investigate the next yes. day. Yes. They're in the boys' room, oh, searching yes. the boys' room. And Cindy finds a slide projector under Greg's bed. And there's only one slide in it. And it's of a ghost. Well, a person with a sheet over Right, on. yes. I mean, like, would you think, I mean, come on. And then Marcia figures out that There's they had a, rope, a yeah. rope tied to the chair upstairs and Freaking they it. threw the window. And they decide they're going to give the boys a dose of their own medicine. They do. Of course they do. But this never ends well. No, it doesn't. It must be the next evening, that evening, because Alice is bringing dessert to everybody. Right. Carol, well, not to everybody. Carol's sculpting in the family room. And Mike is her, again, her reluctant model, and Alice brings him dessert because, oh, you guys left the table too fast. We find out in a minute that she's bringing him dessert before the kids have and their she dessert. And she brought two in. Right, she brought one for Carol, too, but Carol doesn't want it. I can't she's, tell what it is. It looks kind of like ice like cream with kind whipped cream. Or, or some kind of, good. like, pie with whipped cream. Would make me food. And Carol's pissed because she wants to sculpt, and Mike's trying to eat. Well, she's sculpting, and he's, well, well, like, just work on my forehead now. And she's like, I have to do your whole face (laughs) at once. And then Alice brings dessert to the kids at the table, who are girls on one side of the table, boys on the other side. And the the girls, they start talking about how scared they are, and they're being really fake. And the boys are too stupid to figure it out. The boys are laughing at how you would think with all the trickery in this family, people would cotton to when people are being fake. I know they never do. The boys are laughing, and the girls are like, "We bet you couldn't spend the night." Right? They challenge them to spend the night in the attic because the boys are like, "Yeah, we want to be scared." Worth of allowance, and Alice is gonna 
going to hold the money. Yeah. The boys agree to it, even though Bobby said and, he would never bet again. And we he? haven't seen a gender division battle in a while. No, we haven't. I think the last time we saw a bet was the trading stamps. Yes. Remember? That was a long time Well, ago. the bet, yeah, between boys and girls. Yes. I was thinking the bet yes. with Greg and Bobby. No, between but boys and boys girls. the boys have to spend all night in the attic that can't leave. With the lights out. Mm-hmm. So the boys agree to it, which is stupid of them. No. You know, don't they? No. I mean, they couldn't, like, in the back of their minds, they don't have We're any. being set up. No, uh, no. But no. they ask Mike and Carol, and they don't like the fact that they bet, but they're, like, fine. After the boys are gone, it looks like Mike and Carol are a little well, pleased. Well, Carol says, oh, it'll give the girls a chance to get even. And Mike goes, count on it. <laughs> And that they they know their family. They've taught them well. Right. They seem to be pleased that there's some trickery going on. Although, you know, as always, by the end of it, they'll be all righteous. Oh, well, that's part of it. So they're in the attic. Alice is helping the boys get ready. Yeah, she's like tucking them in. They can't get a sleeping bag by themselves. I don't know. They're laughing about how, you know, the girls are so stupid. And meanwhile, the girls are downstairs and... And Jan says, all systems are go after Alice goes by. And then Marsha goes, all systems are ghosts. And then later, it shows the boy sleeping and a voice goes, I feel warm. Which is obviously Marsha's voice. It is obviously. I will say the girls were more imaginative they than are. the boys. Because the voice. It, I must have air. Let me out. And Peter thinks Bobby's <laughs> talking in his sleep. <laughs> Shut up. I know. And, they, then, they and then a trunk starts not. opening. Yes, yeah, the this trunk, trunk starts opening. starts to open and they're scared. They wake up and they're scared. Greg, of course, is asleep. He's yeah, asleep. he's oblivious. And then this ghost starts it's coming a out of the trunk. Plastic thing. And it would have looked much better if they hadn't had a ghost, but just had the trunk open. Maybe found some way to have like a glow of light yeah, or something, but something. nothing. Bobby and Peter scream. Right, and, and they run, run down out of the attic. And Greg wakes up and he's like looking annoyed, like yeah, oh that stupid little <laughs> shit. And Mike and Carol wake up and they come out into the hall and the well, bo- Carol when they wake up, Carol goes. It's round two. Oh, yeah. Because she knew it was coming. They knew yeah. And so they go out into the hall, and Bobby and Peter are all freaked out, and Marsha comes out, and she's like, yeah, you lost the bet. Yeah. She, first she acts sleepy, and then yeah. she's like, you guys lost the bet. Mike grabs the boys. Well, they don't want to go up because they're scared. Yeah. But they all go up to the attic. And Marsha goes up. But for some reason, Jan and Cindy don't No, they don't. Up. They Maybe they didn't wake up or something. And then Marsha shows how they did it. There's a tape recorder in the trunk, and the ghost is made of a cellophane bag with cellophane Duh, bags. no shit. And the boys... Try to argue that yeah, well, Bobby's since like, you tricked us. Yeah, and Marsha's like, well, the bet was that you wouldn't stay yeah, on the like, attic. Yeah, you tricked us. So yeah, fuck you. And Mike's like, okay, you know, everybody's even. The joke's over. And Carol says, you can end up carrying a joke too far, and someone can get hurt. That's right. And we know on this show, yeah. whenever someone says that, somebody will get hurt. And so the next day, Alice. Is giving the money to Marsha because Alice held the money, remember, from their bet. And Marsha's like, Alice, aren't you scared of Eddie? Well, and she says, no. And so they try to give examples. And it's like mice. I think there lizards, have been a pretty. The ocean. I think there's a pretty solid record of Alice <laughs> being scared of almost any fucking thing that moves. <laughs> no. But 
Greg and Marsha, being them, are intrigued. Wasn't there another one where they thought they saw a ghost out in the backyard or something? That was the one where they were trying to scare each other. It was so, a couple seasons ago. But Alice was afraid. Yeah, she was. Okay. And that's the one where oh, she was wearing her makeup. Made, yeah. What was the one where she made Peter go out? The that was the one, yeah. But Greg's like, you know, let's let's prove Alice is really scared or something. Marsha's like, but we promised Dad. And Greg's like, we no. promised we wouldn't scare each, each other. other. So Greg is parsing and he's he'll do this later to great effect in an episode mm-hmm. i think it's season five he does it, he's done it before. yes but he's done it before yeah then yeah when he had the bet with bobby yes. he did it yeah and yeah. the kitchen the phone rings alice answers and sam wants to take her to the movies yeah and she says she wants to go to she the wants drive-in. to go make out at the drive-in yeah. and, and carol and mike are going to be going to the sculpture yes, carol Comes in, she's got the ceramic head, but we don't get to see what it looks no, like. No, it's covered with a sheet. And Alice asked permission. Yeah, I know. I noticed that too. And it's like, doesn't she get time off? Does mm. she have to have permission to leave yes. the house? She you know, there. she's always on call. I guess so. And Greg and Pete. Well, Carol says, fine, we're going to the sculpture exhibit. So we don't need you to wait on us. Right. While yeah. And the kids can take care of themselves, I guess. And Greg and Pete are eavesdropping and conspiring. And they were glad the adults will all be out. Wait till Alice gets back let's see how she really acts around ghosts yes and which is very mean and then the kids are all excited and they're talking and greg says when we get through with her she's going to be speechless that's after somebody says oh what's alice going to say and oh when we get they're very trouble like yeah. wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? They don't seem to think they're going to. I, you know, Alice is fair game. You can do all sorts of shit okay. to Alice and not get. And all the stuff they're setting up. They have like that fake skull with the blinking light. Yeah, another ghost, another sheet ghost on a fishing line coming down the stairs. Um, and Marcia Cindy, and Jen, yeah, they have and like a zip line. For, this is super fake. To anyway. be, I know it's all fake. And what they really need to do is take the Stephen King approach, which is it's the things you don't see that are scary. None of these things are scary. I mean, they may startle you yeah. when you come into a dark house and can't turn the but lights on. But you're not going to believe it's a ghost. No. The house is all dark because they've done something to the lights. circuit breakers. I think the light, too, like, they've hooked it up so when you do the light switch, it makes the ghost oh, come down I the see, stairs. They're very smart little electricians. It's a good thing they didn't burn the house down. The kids are lying in wait, but Mike and Carol come back before Alice. And Carol won a ribbon. She won a ribbon. She can't wait to show the kids. Oh, she's so excited. They open the door. Mike tries to turn on the light. It doesn't come on. No. The ghost starts coming down the stairs, but it gets <laughs> snagged. Mike and Carol but are the not. the screaming starts. Mike and Carol are not. <laughs> no, they're not scared at they're all. Scared. They're, they're just, just like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike is like. And Greg's like, oh, no, it's mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> and they're hiding somewhere. I can't tell where Mike's like. They see Mike's legs go by. <laughs> Um, they're like, oh shit! Like, he puts the bus down on that little yes, half wall, he puts the bus which down, is a bad move. And he goes to fix the circuit breakers to get the lights back on. Right after that, I don't know where Carol is while this is yeah, going. I, apparently, me too. But then she later she comes out of the kitchen. So somehow in the dark, not taking her sculpture with her, she disappeared into the Well, kitchen. Alice comes in the front door, and which she is sees unusual, too. Silhouette. Like, why would she come in the back door? You would door? think the servant would be coming in the but back door. she sees the silhouette and says, who's Ooh. there, who's there? And then <laughs> hits it with her purse. And smashes it. Which I think was actually a good move, aside from the fact that there's eight people in the house, <laughs> and it could have been... It could have been Greg or Peter. But if it was one of them, they 
would have said, it's me, Alice. That's so true. there's a strange, what she thinks is a strange man in the house. I give her credit for, for being proactive. <laughs> and uh, the lights Mike come and on. Poor Carol. Because yeah, Alice. Art that she worked on for a long Alice time. Alice has, has smashed the sculpture. And Alice sculpture. is upset. Carol's And Carol upset. says, like I said, if you carry a joke too far, someone's going to get she's hurt. she's sad when she says and it. she's sad. But you know what? Pissed. Nobody seems upset. That the kids were fucking around with they Alice. They seem slightly contrite, but not... Yeah, they don't get in trouble for that. It's because Carol's sculpture got broken. It's totally not... smat. They don't even seem to care much about that. Right, nobody cares about that. Uh, Mike sends the kids to bed, no allowance for two weeks. And then Carol's pissed because the ghost is one of her good sheets, so on top of yes. everything else. And then the next morning, and Alice... And just leave the broken pieces. Yeah, yeah just them. Alice will clean up. And the next morning, Alice is serving them... Breakfast. Yes, she does. Um, she apologizes. Right, and Carol's again. and Carol's all cheerful. She's because you know Carol, she bounces right back. She's starting a new project, and Bobby and Cindy come in and they all proud. They put the sculpture back together, and it's all um, glued. It looks awful, and everybody laughs. Look kind of like the vase. Yeah, kind of worse actually. And then the tag is this. First of all, it's a very weird view from the kitchen. Yeah, it's very going disconcerting. To the front door, and Mike comes in wearing this really weird. It's like it's a, like was he a, a vinyl blue, dark blue vinyl jacket? It's almost like an early seventies version of what a members only jacket yeah, would become, but, but with pockets yeah. with ribbing around them. And <laughs> but he's obviously coming home from work because he's carrying you know a tube that would have architectural. Carol's sculpting Alice, who's posing in a toga holding a vase on her, her shoulder. Her toga is over her uniform. Yes. And she's got a vase on her and shoulder. And she's got she, her hair like in these little ringlet things. Because she's a Grecian And Mike is classic. just obviously doesn't even try to hide his disdain for Carol's artistic yes. pursuit. And Carol said, well, it could be two things. It could be a bird bath. Yes, because she's going to put it in the yard and Mike's like, <laughs> it's like this big. Put it's, it like, it's like the size <laughs> of a, I know, it's like the size of an oatmeal can. And it could be a bird bath. And then Mike like or and they also if I pucker up it'll be a fountain. Yeah. And they all kinda laugh and and that's the end. And so next week we're gonna talk about episode seven through twelve. Yep. Episode seven, the show must go on. Mm. With a question mark. Yes. Episode eight, Jan, the only child. Oh Jesus. Hmm. We know what's coming up with that. Episode 9, Career Fever. Episode 10, Goodbye, Alice, Hello. Hmm, some of these That are sounds like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Episode 11, Greg's Triangle. Mm. Mm. And episode 12, Everyone Can't Be George Washington. Hmm. They can't? No. And we know who they can be if they can't be George Washington. Oh, yeah. Everyone's favorite traitor. But until you hear from us next time, you can follow us on Facebook at GroovyTube. You can follow us on Twitter at GroovyTube. You can, if you just do GroovyTube, we come up. Yeah. Our Gmail Our address. a little TV with a groovy pattern behind That's it. right. It's a very groovy logo that <laughs> Becky made. And our Gmail address is GroovyTubePodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And you can right. send Gmail us your us. And if you'd like to donate to help us get some equipment, go to Patreon Crime and Stuff, our other podcast. Yes, our other podcast. And if you're not listening to Crime and Stuff, you might want to And give we it have a try. links on our, on our <laughs> website. <laughs> Our website, GroovyTube. <laughs> our website, of course, how could we forget that? GroovyTubePodcast.com. So until next time, stay groovy.
special thanks to Ben Sound for our groovy music.